Hey there, everyone. This is Greg Schutz for ReadyForTheDraft.com, and this is the Ready for the Draft podcast. Hard to believe it's already episode 20. This is the postseason edition, getting you ready for the NFL draft, which is set to begin April 23rd, Las Vegas, Nevada. Bellagio Fountains will be the backdrop. Can't wait. The atmosphere will be electric. Prime time there, Thursday night, the 23rd. Get things going. When we talk about prime time, we're not just talking about the draft anymore. We're also talking about the combine. Combine is going to be coming up in a couple of weeks. 337 players will be uh, invited or have been invited to the combine. So we're going to take a look at the the combine uh, invitees and, and who really has the most to prove, who are the guys to really keep an eye out for, um, who are guys that may be flying under the radar, who are the workout warriors. We'll be talking about all that so you can kind of get an idea of, of what to expect when the combine rolls around and really how that is going to impact the draft. This podcast, you know, I, I took a couple of a couple of week uh, hi, hiatus, if you will. And the reason for that is we had the end of the season, LSU national champions. Congratulations to coach Ed Orgeron, Joe Burrow and company on the win, beating Clemson. We had the all-star games. And then after that, you, you kind of have that lull between the, the, the end of the season and and really when we ramp up the pre-draft process. So I wanted to make sure I, I looked at some game film, went through some of my notes, made sure that I had everything together because this podcast, we are going to take a look at all of those bowl games. What impact did these bowl games have on the draft? Who really stood out? And those are the, some of the things that we're going to be taking a look at in the in today's podcast. I also released my first mock draft that is out on the website, readyforthedraft.com. Get a sneak peek in this podcast talk about my top 10 just a little bit before we wrap things up. But before we get started, you know, a couple of things happened uh, since our last podcast. The first being, uh, you know, the, the, the tragic passing of, of Kobe Bryant and eight other passengers, including his his daughter, Gigi, um, you know, the, the Belly family, uh, the Chesters, Christina Mauser, Ara Zabayim, devastating you know, devastating news. I grew up in Orange County and, you know, Orange Coast College, that's a school that's really right in the, you know, right in the heart of Orange County, right there in, in, uh, in Costa Mesa. And, you know, that's part of the fabric of the community and, you know, coach Altabelli, you know, playing, you know, or I'm sorry, coaching there for, for 20 plus years, you know, bringing the championships, his legacy, you know, is firmly cemented in Orange County. I know that he'll be, he'll be sorely missed in, in the community, um, you know, so definitely difficult to hear that, you know, that news. But when we talk about Kobe Bryant, I, I had a special, for me, you know, just a special connection there for, with Kobe. I never met, met the gentleman, but it's one of those things when I grew up, you know, it was always about magic Johnson. You know, if you're a Laker fan, it was always about magic and, Growing up, he was my idol, and he was the guy that I really looked up to. But growing up in high school, it was about Kobe Bryant, you know, and beyond. Kobe was 17. Mom signed his first contract. I was in high school, right, you know, probably a year younger than Kobe at the time. And, you know, I really just felt this connection immediately with him and the fire and the passion with which he played and and the work ethic and the commitment to excellence. And... 
watching him really grow into the man that, that he was, that was really special, you know, and it was one of those things to where, you know, as I grew and matured into the man that I am today, you know, I kind of felt like I was on that journey with Kobe, you know, and really excited to see the ventures outside of, of basketball for everything they did on the court and how much that meant really seeing him as a father and really how he stepped into the community and really a pillar of that community in Orange County. All the stories that people talked about with, you know, here's a guy who has all these different ventures and yet he still had the time to send a text message or call someone and check in on them. You know, when you talk about the mama mentality and, you know, out on the basketball court, it's about the killer instinct. And, you know, you look at a lot of the players that we'll be talking about and they have that, they have that killer instinct. Do they have the work ethic that Kobe Bryant has? I don't know that there's anybody that quite has that type of work ethic, but, you know, being, wanting to be the very best version of yourself. And that's one of the things I think that's the best way to honor Kobe is to live with that Mamba mentality every single day. Be the best version of yourself every single day. Be there for your friends. Be there for your family. Be there, you know, with with your your craft, honing your craft. I think that's what's what's really most important. I think that's the thing for me that I look at going forward. Is you know, I want to you know the best way that I can honor you know Kobe is to live that mama mentality each and every day. So transitioning, you know, and this is kind of an awkward transition, but moving from from uh, from Kobe to uh, the Super Bowl. We had Super Bowl um, 54 that took place in Miami, Kansas City, taking down San Francisco. Patrick Mahomes, the MVP, and I'll tell you what, this was a guy who, you know, through three quarters, he was really rattled by that 49er defense. Nick Bosa had the 49ers won. I mean, this is a guy who had 12 pressures. He was really making things difficult for Patrick Mahomes. I'd argue that Nick Bosa was worthy of that Super Bowl MVP had the Niners won. Patrick Mahomes, though, when the chips were all on the table, this was the guy who rose to the occasion. And I'll tell you what, I, I kind of missed the boat, you know, I'll be perfectly honest, when I was talking about Patrick Mahomes before the, the 2017 draft. And the reason being, when I look at, at, at Patrick Mahomes, this was the guy who I talked about his his athleticism, his ability to, you know, make any throw, you know, whether he was rolling left, rolling right, backpedaling, moving forward. He was able to throw the ball down the field and connect with his receivers, drop in the arm angle whenever possible to make the throw easier. Uh, you know, he just... It, the the thing with it though was he he seemed to play you know be at his best really when he was outside the confines of an offense and I was a little short sighted with this because frankly you know he went to the perfect team the perfect coach Andy Reid adjusted his offense for Patrick Mahomes and that's really the recipe that you see now is teams they're not looking to take a quarterback and have him conform to their offense you know what they're doing is you know you look at Cliff Kingsbury. And his offense, and you bring in Kyler Murray, and what does Kyler Murray do? You know, Kyler Murray with his his athleticism and, and getting outside the pocket and making plays on the move, and he ran that that spread offense there at Oklahoma. Comes to Arizona, and, and you see that more often. You know that teams are now adjusting to the players, and it used to be the other way around. And I think I missed the boat there with that because you know there was no question 
that Patrick Mahomes had the best arm talent, had the best athleticism of anybody, any quarterback in that draft. And I think I was short-sighted with the fact that I said, you know what, he's got to play within the confines of an offense. He's going to have to stay within the pocket in order to get things done. And when you look at a lot of the quarterbacks, you know, you talk about the guy, you know, the guys who have had success, you know, the Breezes, the the Rodgers, the Mannings, um, the the Bradys. You know, these are guys that, you know, yeah, they they get outside, they manipulate manipulate the pocket, you know, and, and get outside a little bit. But where they really did their damage was within the pocket. And you know, I think Patrick Mahomes is kind of that new breed of quarterback. The biggest question mark, though, is going to be: Can he stay healthy? Can he sustain that? And that's really going to be the biggest question mark for him. But uh, you know, hats off to him. He had a a tremendous, tremendous season. Um, you know, and really a, a great start to his career. And uh, the future is looking bright there for Kansas City. So took care of, of a couple of, of items that I wanted to make sure that we talked about before we jumped into taking a look at the bowl game. So we're going to go ahead and jump in now. Um, you'll hear me flipping through the pages here of my notebook. Got all of my notes here. But uh, LSU Clemson national title game. We're going to go ahead and start there and just kind of work our way backward a little bit. Uh, you know, in the Mercedes-Benz Superdome there in New Orleans, a virtual home game there for LSU. LSU comes out on top, 42-25. And Joe Burrow, I mean, my goodness, 31 of 49, 463 yards, five touchdown passes, uh, 14 carries, uh, 50, I think 58 yards, and another score. You know, this is a guy who just... The, the poise, the pocket presence, uh, his ability to manipulate the pocket. We talk, talked about that you know a little earlier here, but uh, his ability to you know slide in the pocket, the subtle you know subtlety there, you know it reminds you of Aaron Rodgers with his ability to do that, slide and then step up and, and avoid the rush, keeping your eyes down the field, hitting a receiver in stride down the field, going through progressions. You'd see him you know look one direction to uh, Justin Jefferson and then he'd look you know opposite way for uh, you know, Terrace Marshall and then ultimately find Jamar Chase late streaking down the field um, or possibly finding you know uh, Thaddeus Moss underneath or a check down to Clyde Edwards-Alaire. He always seemed to know where he was going with the football. And to me, Joe Burrow has solidified himself as the number one overall pick. I mean, how could he not? You know, he swept all the major awards, including the Heisman Trophy, uh, you know, college football playoff MVP, and, uh, you know, this is a kid who is primed and ready to be the number one overall pick. Who's he going to go to? You know, there were rumors, people kicking around the fact that, hey, you know, Cincinnati could trade, you know, get multiple picks, possibly to Miami. Uh, you know, Chargers could make a play for him. Um, you know, all these teams that could potentially move up. But if I'm Cincinnati, this is a kid who grew up in Ohio. You know, this is Ohio native. And, uh, you know, if, if I'm Zach Taylor, I'm looking at Joe Burrow and this is the future of my franchise. He's the face of, of Cincinnati football and I've got to get him in. I've got to get him, uh, acclimated and, uh, ready to go as quickly as possible. He's looking for his franchise quarterback and Joe Burrow was right there. Uh, I thought Joe Burrow was, was tremendous, um, you know, you look at Justin Jefferson and, you know, I, I personally believe that Justin Jefferson is a first round receiver, 6'3", 192, uh, the, the junior, this is a guy who just, the subtleties with his route running was incredible. You know, nine catches, 106 yards. And, uh, what he does is he finds the space in, in the defense and he runs his routes accordingly. He just, you know, he, he's able to, 
Um, and when he runs runs those routes, he's able to find that space and and keep get himself open. And you know he does a great job tracking the ball. Excellent hands. You know fights through traffic and and shows those hands. And you know to me, I thought Justin Jefferson absolutely shined. Uh, you know going up against you know uh, Darian Kendrick, AJ Terrell. You know I thought that was really important to go up against you know some of the better corners there in the ACC and. Uh, you know, I thought it was really a lot of fun to watch. Speaking of AJ Terrell, um, you know, this is a guy who, you know, I, I thought, you know, he really wanted to jam his receivers at the line, uh, using his length to his advantage uh, whenever possible. But uh, you know, Chase, you know, uh, Jamar Chase was beating him, beating him deep. You know, and really, you know, Chase would get a step. You know, he'd lose contact with the receiver. And uh, ultimately, receiver tracking the ball well over his shoulder on a 52-yard touchdown. You know, AJ Terrell to me, 6'1", 190-pound junior, um, definitely very physical um, man, man corner. But uh, I'll, I'll tell you what, he's someone who I think uh, any chance that he was going to be a first-round pick, I think went out the door. Um, you know, I think he's going to be someone who's going to probably be a day two pick, probably you know second round ish, late second. Um, but I think there, you know, he's opened the door for a lot of other corners uh, to pass him uh, overall. Now, Jamar Chase, six one, two hundred uh, sophomore. He, you know, he, he he's not eligible for this year's draft. It's just a shame. You know, nine receptions, two hundred twenty one yards, two touchdowns. The guy just wasn't, you know. Nobody could cover him in the game. I mean, it was it was tremendous to watch uh, his ability to to beat receiver or beat corners deep. You know, the, the ability to track the ball over his shoulder, I thought was impressive. You know, lining up in the slot, going against uh, AJ Terrell, uh, got a step on him. You know, able to to stack him, track the ball over his shoulder. Um, you know, ultimately, you know, he planted at about the 20-yard line. Cornerback ran by, then cut back to the inside and uh, went down to the four-yard line on on another play. Um, I'm sorry, it wasn't a touchdown, but it was a 56-yard catch. Um, you know, just a tremendous, tremendous athlete. He'll be, you know, uh, definitely one of the receivers, if not number one. You know, I'd be surprised if he's not the number one receiver when we're talking about about him in in 2021. Um, you know. Kalevin Chason, uh, 6'4", 6'5"-ish, you know, 250 pounds, the junior, excellent length. You know, he, he did a really good job extending the arm, long arm in the left tackle um, to, to gain some space and and help get to the edge coming around the corner. You know, this is a guy who was relentless. You know, he fell down, got up, uh, still got inside uh, the left tackle, Jackson Carmen, who's a pretty good left tackle, got a, a hit on the quarterback, um, you know, He's one of those guys who I think does a really good job, um, you know, as he's bending around the edge. You know, not only does he do a good job, you know, with the jump off the football, explosive first step, but he slaps the hands of the of the lineman, bends around the edge really well. The hip flexibility, the ankle flexion, his ability to take those those extreme angles as he's turning the corner to get after the quarterback, and then he sets a really really hard edge against the run, and and that's one of the things that, you know. 
I'm trying not to have Barkevius Mingo flashbacks because they have similar body types. Um, you know, and Mingo really didn't live up to the billing as a top 10 talent. I think Chase is going to be outside the top 10, but uh, he definitely showed that he's he's one of those guys that you know is just going to continue to put pressure on the quarterback. When he even when he didn't get to Trevor Lawrence, I think Trevor Lawrence had him uh, in the back of his mind, um, worrying about him coming off the edge. Now, uh, let's see. Uh, you know Christian Fulton, you know the six foot, two hundred pound junior. You know this is a guy who, you know, is someone who could he be a first round pick? Is he a second round pick? I think at the end of the day, he's going to end up being a first rounder. Um, I don't think I have him in my first mock, uh, my first mock draft. But uh, looking at some of the game film, you know, uh, the the freshman uh, Nata Joseph Nata um, had a step on him. He was able on a, on a slant route. He was trailing him, able to still get a hand in and, and knock the ball away. One of the things that I do like about Fulton is is he really doesn't panic. You know, it's one of those things to where he he does a really good job driving on the football, even when he's beaten. Uh, the makeup speed, uh, you know, he's physical. You know, he'll he'll jam you. Um, you know, and I thought one of the things too that he did with with uh, you know T Higgins, who kept getting inside leverage on him. You know, he was really setting up. You know, had the outside leverage and and forcing uh, Higgins to the inside and really bottled Higgins up. You know, I thought he and, and Derek Stingley, who man, you know, he's only a freshman, twenty twenty two draft. Look out, you know, Derek Stingley, you know, possible top five pick. Um, but uh, you know, I, I thought that was one of the things that really stood out was Fulton really gave uh, T. Higgins some trouble. Uh, when you look at T. Higgins, you know the, the flip side there. You know, I think Fulton being a first round pick, T. Higgins six four, two hundred fifteen pounds, excellent size. You know, Pro Football Focus reported that. You know, I think you know fifteen of the twenty three deep ball targets. You know, he hauled in for five hundred and forty five yards. In 2019, so definitely a deep threat, but it was one of those things, though, that you worry about whether or not Higgins can separate. Can he actually separate down the field? That's going to be the the biggest worry, and I don't think he really, um, you know, he did anything to really fix that, that, that those question marks. You know, just three catches uh, for, for 27 yards in the game. Uh, you know, T. Higgins, is he going to be a first rounder? Is he going to be a second rounder? There's some more explosive athletes. You know, as, as we, we go on when we're talking about this, you know, from the Jalen Ragers to the Brandon Ayukes, um, you know, and we're not even talking about the, the Justin Jeffersons and, uh, and, and LaVisca Chenault, Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, CeeDee Lamb. You know, I think T. Higgins might be the odd man out when we're talking about first rounds. He may actually slide to the top of round two. Could be a steal for someone. Uh, you know, Cortland Sutton was a guy that some people were talking about as a potential first rounder. He fell to round number two. We see what he's been able to do for, for Denver. So, you know, we'll see what happens there with T Higgins. Uh, you know, Clyde Edwards, a layer, you know, five, eight, two Oh nine, the junior. I think one of the things that you really saw was the, the tremendous ability as a receiver, um, you know, runs angle routes very well, does a good job, uh, you know, along the sideline as well. Uh, just very soft hands, runs through contact. The, the contact balance is is tremendous. You know, he's built low to the ground. It reminds you a lot of Maurice Jones-Drew with the way that he's built. He's just a bowling ball, runs through contact. Uh, I've got him as my number four running back, especially now that uh, Travis Etienne has uh, decided that he's going to come back for a senior year. I think that's probably a good move for Travis Etienne. I think as he's been building his skill set, um, you know, 
a season ago, we talked about him just being a burner. And this year, I thought we saw more power out of him. He was running through a lot of uh, arm tackles, uh, better hands. And I think just continuing to hone that skill set. I think we were talking about potential second, third round range for him. And uh, you know, I think with, with Etienne, uh, what he's going to be able to show is um, an ability. He may be... The, the top running back in, in next year's draft, if he can just continue to develop his game, show some more power, better hands, show an ability to, to pass block, because he has a different gear in space, and I think that's what makes him special. Uh, you know, Grant Delpit, you know, this is, uh, this is a guy that, you know, 18 missed tackles. I think that's one of the things that really um, a lot of people talked about. Um, you know, and that, that obviously is, is a concern, but he was also playing hurt. You know, he was uh, battling an ankle injury in this game. He had a hamstring injury that he was battling as well. Um, but you know, had a big hit right to the thigh of T Higgins, you know, put his, his helmet right on the ball, drilled it to, to knock the ball free. Um, he's one of those guys who has tremendous range. I, I think the 18 missed tackles that is concerning, but he's also one of those guys. You know, he he, need, he needed to be healthy. I think a healthy uh, Grant Delpit is is a guy who's still worthy of a first round pick. I think that's one of the things that he's going to prove. Um, you know, when he goes through the pre draft process, and he his draft stock may fall because of those missed tackles. And you know, I, I thought that you know 2019 wasn't as good a year for him as 2018. And at the same time, he still won the Jim Thorpe Award. So, you know, what do I know? But uh, to me, I think, you know, Grant Delpit, at least in this game, showed his ability, you know, the range over the top, his ability to play in the box, some of that versatility that you need. And speaking of versatility, Isaiah Simmons, the 6'4", 230-pound junior linebacker, Top 10 pick, absolutely. I mean, this guy was split out in deep coverage versus Thaddeus Moss uh, on one play, and then he's bending around the left tackle to get to the quarterback on the next. You know, showed a, you know, an ability to, um, you know, just the presence of mind, knowing when to blitz, when to when to take off, and then um, you know, wrapped up Clyde Edwards-Alaire on a on a on on a spin move, never let him get away. Just such a sure tackler as well. The range, uh, sideline to sideline. He was on the hip of, of, of Edwards Alaire, no separation on, on an out route, uh, to the wide side. Guy can do a little bit of everything. He can do it all. Uh, just a special, special player. And, uh, I think he solidified himself as a, a top 10 talent for this draft. Uh, John Simpson, the, the guard, 6'4", 330 pounds, um, you know, pulled around, showed uh, decent athleticism, you know, getting to the second level. But this is a guy who's going to anchor uh, inside. He's not the, the best athlete in the world, but really, uh, you know, ha- has a good base to him. You know, can get low, bends at, at the knees very well. He's got he's a guy who's going to get, you know, he's going to maul you. He's very nasty. And uh, I think he's going to be a day one starter. And uh, I think this game, he really proved that, you know, he held up pretty well against LSU's front, and uh, I think that's one of the things that really stood out for me. Uh, Thaddeus Moss you know, had a couple of touchdowns in the game and uh, shows that he's a really good receiver. I think he still needs to work on some of his blocking, but the hands are absolutely there. His athleticism is there. We saw body control earlier in the year. Um, I think it was actually in the uh, SEC title game. The balance uh, along the sideline to extend for the football 
um, almost going completely horizontal to haul in the pass while keeping his feet in bounds. He's one of those guys, I, I think probably third, fourth round range is probably where he'll go. But uh, I think his career is, is off to a bright start. Um, let's see. How do we want to do this? We're going to go ahead. We're going to jump around a little bit here. So uh, let's see. We're going to go ahead and talk about... We'll, we'll take the Sugar Bowl next. And we'll look at Georgia against Baylor. Georgia, you know, and uh, Andrew Thomas didn't play. Isaiah Wilson uh, didn't play. So two tackles that are out. And you're going up against the likes of, uh, of James Lynch, Bravion Roy, James Lockhart. Uh, three guys that really wreaked havoc for... Um, you know, for for the Baylor Bears, they're in the Big Ten or Big Twelve, and Georgia just handled it. You know, the twenty six to fourteen was the final, and uh, it was one of those things where it really wasn't all that close. You know, Charlie Brewer, uh, the quarterback, you know, got knocked out of the Big Twelve championship with a concussion, got knocked out again. This was a guy tremendously tough, but just was getting beat up left and right. Unfortunately, um, you know, Jake Fromm. You know, 42nd consecutive start, 34-7 uh, and seven, uh, record. They posted that. And it's one of those things where you really started to see him developing some chemistry with those receivers. I think that's one of the reasons why um, I thought he had a down year in 2019. He had a lot of young receivers. George Pickens, he and Pickens really, really connected. You know, hit him on you know 30 yards down the field on a flea flicker for a 46-yard gain. Showed some touch as well to get it into him uh, on, on a fade up the sideline. Uh, 16-yard touchdown pass to Matt Landers, uh, ran a post, put the ball right on the receiver. Um, you know, Jake Fromm, at the end of the day, what was it? It was uh, 20, 20 of 30 for 250 yards and a couple of touchdowns. You know, Not any staggering numbers, but definitely got the job done. George Pickens, I think, is going to end up being a star. 12 receptions, 175 yards, and a touchdown in the game. You know, they were without DeAndre Swift, who um, you know didn't really have much of an impact in the game, didn't play a whole lot. Um, you know, one of the offensive linemen that was there was Solomon Kinley, the 6'4", 335 pound junior who decided to enter the draft, um, you know, showed that he was able to climb to the second level, did so under control, uh, good base, um, really going up against Bravion Roy. I thought that was one of the things that was really, you know, impressive for me, um, but I thought he was inconsistent with his hands, you know, and he, he whiffed, um, on a on a block with uh with with the left tackle on a sack by by James James Lynch he was coming over to help and uh, completely whiffed on James Lynch who ultimately ended up getting to the quarterback for the sack but uh, you know he's not somebody who's going you're going to expect to get out and pull all that off and he's a guy he and Andrew Thomas look in the running game they were just mauling guys uh, generating a ton of movement road grader uh, a guy who could probably come in and start right away. Um, you know, speaking of James Lynch, one of my favorite players, this is a guy who, you know, has a knack, you know, he gets, does a really good job getting up the field. You know, he's 6'4", 285 pounds, and he bends very well for his size. You know, he got up the field, um, you know, and then did a really good job getting back inside, showing a spin move, getting a straight line to the quarterback, flattening out, getting to him, um, you know, again, you know, starting up the field, gets to the outside, 
and then showed an arm over versus a tight end to get back to back to the inside to the quarterback. Very violent hands, moving the left tackle back, overpowering him, shoving him up up the field, coming off the block and uh, getting to the quarterback, getting a sack. Um, you know, James Lynch to me is a guy who he'll be a day two pick, but he's one of those guys I think we'll be talking about as uh, you know, where did this guy come from type of a thing because I think he's he's someone who's going to make an impact at the next level. Uh, Bravion Roy is a guy. He's not invited to the combine. 6'1", 333 pounds. The, the nose tackle. Uh, you know, I thought that he got blown back off the ball uh, in, in this game uh, you know, by Solomon Kinley. But he did see frequent double teams in the middle. And, and it's one of those things to where he's he's very explosive off the ball. And that's one of the things that, you know, he's... Uh, you know he's not the biggest guy, you know, and and has that short those shorter arms, but he's very active and he shoots the gaps really well. The problem for him though is is that if he doesn't beat you with quickness, he doesn't quite have the strength to really hold the point of attack, uh, and that's really the the biggest thing for for Bravion Roy. I think he was playing the nose tackle. I think he may be out of position, but he's six one and, and three hundred thirty three pounds. That first step quickness, that's really where he's going to win. And uh, I think in a four three defense, that's really where where Bravion Roy. I think uh, you know if he if he gets a chance at the next level, that's really where he's gonna gonna need to take over. Uh, Denzel Mims, the receiver, 6'3", 215 pounds. Um, Mims five receptions, seventy five yards, and a touchdown in the game. Uh, this was a guy who I thought um, you know didn't always separate from from DJ Daniels or I'm sorry DJ Daniel the the corner, but did a really good job to extend his arm into the corner to create some some late separation, able to adjust to the ball really well. Tight coverage uh, against uh, Eric Stokes, um, and you know ball got into him a little bit, you know a little quick, uh, quicker than he expected. But um, one of the things that I thought he does really well is, is he tracks the ball over his shoulder, shows excellent body control, catches the ball over his shoulder in stride, excellent hands uh, for the most part. Um, does a really good job too fighting through the, the jam. You know, corner is going to try to jam him. Uh, does a really good job um, fighting through that and then getting down the field. Uh, you know, because if you're even, you're leaving, and uh, that's what you know Denzel Mims was able to do quite a bit. Um, you know, if we move to the Rose Bowl and you had Oregon and Wisconsin, I'll tell you what. I mean, these were two heavyweights. You know, the number six Ducks able to beat Wisconsin 28-27 uh, in the in the Rose Bowl. And Justin Herbert, look, just 14 of 20 for 138 yards, an interception, uh, had nine carries for 29 yards, three touchdowns, had a long of 30 yards. And this is the guy, look, you know, the he's going to be one of the most polarizing players for this draft. And, and what's going to happen with, with Justin Herbert, that's going to be the big question mark. And, I, you know, I, I don't think there's an easy answer when you're talking about Herbert because he – the completion percentage can fool you sometimes because of the way that the offense is run. Um, I, I think the intermediate throws, he struggles at times. You see the ball sail a lot of times and he'll overthrow receivers. And, uh, you know, but he, he, he makes good decisions, you know, on where he's going to go with the football. You know, he has tremendous arm talent, you know, and, uh, you know, the, the biggest question for me when I studied Justin Herbert is, you know, the, the, are the skills going to be able to translate to the next level? You know, he's absolutely an intelligent guy. The Campbell Trophy Award winner, 401 GPA. I didn't even know you can go over a 4.0 in college, but he was able to do that. And, uh, you know, I, I just, I, I worry a little bit about 
you know, his, his ability in, in some of the games, he was able to figure out a way to win. And I think at the end of the day, that's the biggest thing. And I, I compare him more and more to Josh Allen and Josh Allen's really been able to get the job done there for the bills showing some promise. I, I think, you know, Justin Herbert is going to be a, you know, I think that's a similar comparison for me, Jonathan Taylor, the five eleven, two 219 pound running back there for Wisconsin. Um, you know, Another you know two thousand yard season back to back. Only other running back to do that was Troy Davis back in the nineties. Uh, just twenty one carries, ninety four yards. Uh, had a couple of receptions for forty three yards. You know had a drop as well though. Um, and the biggest thing, the biggest frustrating thing, you know for uh, for me when it comes to Jonathan Taylor is, is the ball security. You know, 18 fumbles, 15 lost in his career. There was a fumble that he had against, uh, you know, he was fighting for extra yards. Troy Dye comes in and he ripped it out, made it look easy. You know, there really wasn't any any fight to it. Um, you know, and he just, as he stood up, he just ripped it right out of there. And, and when you're talking about an elite back, that's something that's really worrisome for me is, is just the, the ball security, the ball skills as a receiver as well. Uh, and I think that's why he's falling a little bit on, on people's draft boards. I have him... Uh, behind J.K. Dobbins and De- uh, DeAndre Swift because of uh, some of the issues with the ball security. I think his his patience, his vision, his explosiveness, he runs with some power as well. Um, but, you know, if you can't hold on to the football, you're not going to stay out on the football field. You know, and that's really the biggest concern. Zach Bond, 6'3", 235, outside linebacker. This is a guy, you know, loops around on a third down, round by uh, the, the, the tackle. I'm sorry, it was actually a guard on a stunt. Uh, ran right by him, got to the quarterback. Also showed an ability to drop in coverage a little bit, which was really surprising. You know, not expecting. Uh, you know, I don't think J- Justin Herbert was expecting him to drop in coverage. Uh, was able to to make a play on the ball. Um, you know, and you know Brady Breeze. You know, he was only a junior, but this was a guy who worked his way into the starting lineup and never relinquished it. You know, having him at safety and then, you know, Javon Holland got to play that nickelback position as a result. He's the guy to keep an eye out for, as obviously is Panay Sewell, the left tackle, uh, dominant as ever. Uh, this is a guy, you know, I'll tell you, he has a chance to be one of the the top two or three players in, in the draft overall. Um, you know, I thought Tyler Beatus, you know, had a, had a solid game in the middle there for Wisconsin. Um you know, uh, Kayvon Thibodeau lined in, lined up inside the fabulous freshman there for the Ducks and just ran right by him. You know, I worry about Beatus and the athleticism. Um, I, I think, you know, you've got some other centers like Lloyd Cushenberry, who I thought played really well in, in both of uh, LSU's bowl games. I thought, you know, you have him, you have Matt Hennessy, who's one of the best pass protectors there at the center position, if not the best in this year's draft. Uh, Cesar Ruiz of, of Michigan is, is also making a play. If they show at the combine, you know, more athleticism than, than Tyler Biotis, then Tyler could fall a little bit in the draft. He's been a technician. He's been there from day one, uh, started every game. He's been the, the, the man in the middle every time Jonathan Taylor has taken the field. So, uh, I, I think you know that says a lot about what he's been able to do. Also, they lost, uh, Wisconsin lost three uh, offensive linemen to the draft. Cole Van Landen was a part-time starter at left tackle, so really kind of three and a half starters. And uh, you know Tyler Biotis showed the leadership there in the in the middle for that team. Um, you know, I think the jury is going to be out on on Tyler Biotis. He's going to have to show out pretty well. Um, you know, in some of the workouts. 
Um, you know, Minnesota getting the win over Auburn, 31-24. Uh, you know, I'll say here, you know, Derek Brown was dominant. This is a guy who you know, stood up the left tackle, able to shed the block and and quickly get after the football. So powerful with his hands. You know, what he does really well with the hands is that strike gets the guy off balance, and then he's able to use his speed you know, and 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 get by. Um, overpowers guys, drives people into the backfield, blows up plays. He may not even be the guy that's actually making the tackle, but he's going to affect the run play, uh, driving guys back into the backfield. Uh, Tyler Johnson, the receiver, 6'2", uh, 205, the senior. A lot of people not all that high on Tyler. 12 receptions, 204, and, and two touchdowns. I think he's just he's smooth. You know, I think that's one of the things that you can say about him. He has a knack for getting open. Can high point the ball on 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 the post. Um, you know, didn't really create a ton of separation there. But I thought you know he, he really shows some some good uh, route running on slants. Um, you know, able to win off the line and, and able to you know that's really where he was making a lot of uh, a lot of the yards there against Auburn was uh, with his ability uh, on those slants and that's the thing that I think when when it's all said and done teams are going to have to look at at Tyler Johnson and um, you know what how you want to use him I think some people have talked about him being a fifth rounder that might be a little harsh he's probably a four, late fourth round pick um, he may fall into the fifth round it just kind of depends on what he runs in the 40 I'm a huge Antoine Winfield Jr. fan uh, 5'11", 205 I guess he's technically still a redshirt sophomore um, you know all the injuries that he's battled you know all American first team all big 10 uh, and I just have in big letters ball hawk excellent cover skills um, lining up uh, over the slot, uh, was blitzing off the edge as well, ran by the running back block and, and came off and hit the quarterback. Um, he, he's a guy, he, he's not all that big, but uh, the instincts are absolutely there. He'll be a day two guy, but I've got him actually as my number three safety. You know, he's a guy who just makes plays. He's a playmaker. And at the end of the day, you know, when you get to the, the next level, you know, you're, you know teams are going to be looking for playmakers. And that is absolutely what he is. Um, you know, Noah Igbenogany, uh, 5'11", 200-pound uh, junior corner, showed speed on the 96-yard kickoff return for touchdowns, uh, wants to get his hands into into the receiver whenever possible, uh, very quick hips to turn and run with the receiver as well. You know, Jack Driscoll, a, an offensive, uh, offensive lineman, uh, right tackle, 6'5", 295, uh, beaten by Carter Coughlin um, as a stand-up rusher, but he was able to keep his... Uh, keep his feet, didn't panic, and able to drive him up the field. Kept his hands there with uh, with, with Carter Coughlin. I think that's one of the things that's impressive about some of these tackles. Do they panic? Do they end up opening up and really you know exposing that edge and giving him more of a soft edge coming off uh, to get to the quarterback? You know, or are they taking their their man and adjusting? and recovering and driving the man down the field away from the pocket. That's what Jack Driscoll was able to do. Um, and then Marlon Davidson, 6'3", 278, uh, showed a quick stutter, ran by the, the left tackle, uh, Sam Schluter, um, as a stand-up defensive end on a third down play. Um, good hands, showed pretty good pretty good ability bending the you know around the, the edge, a better bend than I thought he did. Uh, really good motor, always keeps working to the quarterback, He's one of those guys that, you know, it, it's interesting because you, you don't think of him as as that player because Derek Brown is is the guy that he's playing next to. Um, but I think he, he's one of those guys, he's a veteran and somebody who I think you're going to have to keep an eye on uh, when it's all said and done. 
Um, Alabama beating Michigan 35-16 in the Citrus Bowl. Uh, Jedrick Wills, tell you what, best offensive lineman in the draft. I've got him going number four to the Giants, spoiler alert. Um, they got to figure out what they're going to do with Mike Rimmers and the uh, best offensive lineman in the draft. Also happens to be a right tackle, and the Giants are picking number four. That's where I've got Jedrick Wills going. You know, this is a guy, his his pass uh, sets, you know, he, he it looks so effortless. You know, I I thought the, you know, the kick slide, his ability, he takes great angles, shows really good hands, and uh, generates movement in the running game. You know, obviously Jerry Judy, people talking about him, 6'1", 192 junior, um, you know, six receptions, 204 yards and a touchdown. So explosive. You know, had a, you know, an 85-yard touchdown on the first play from scrimmage. Um, you know, in the slot, ran a post, ran by uh, Daxton Hill, the the freshman, catch and run. Um, you know, he's somebody to me that, you know, the route running ability, so sudden in and out of his breaks. You know, he does have some some concentration lapses, make some drops, but the the route running ability and his suddenness and his speed down the field, um, those are things that you just can't teach. Uh, Henry Ruggs the third, six foot, 190 pounds. Look, Henry Ruggs just two catches for 27 yards. He's a speed demon. He's a guy who can track the ball down the football field. Uh, one of those things. He's a speed guy, better route runner than than I think people give him credit for. Um, but you really want to, you know, is he good? Is he a one trick pony? That's really the biggest question mark that I have for him. Um, Let's see, John Runyon, 6'5", 321. I think he's going to be a guard. I think when we looked at him in the All-Star games, he looked much more comfortable at the guard position than a tackle. Was flat-footed at times uh, in this game. And, and Anthony Jennings uh, able to quickly get him uh, get him off balance and, and shoot inside and, and get to the quarterback. Uh, speaking of Anthony Jennings, you know, he has tremendous length, shows some speed, uh, able to track down uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones on a reverse, uh, you know, stayed at home, able to track him down, um, you know, to the wide side of the field. Uh, does a good job getting up the field as well, pursuing the quarterback, uh, leaving the pocket, able to get a sack on on a play. Very physical with the right tackle, Jalen Mayfield, able to uh, you know extend, drive him back, threw him aside, and and pursued the quarterback. I thought Anthony Jennings uh, showed up really well. Joss Uche showed some speed inside off the edge, getting to the quarterback, hitting him um, as he was throwing, made an off-target throw, eight and a half sacks. He's somebody to me who I think is going to be a, a, a day-two pick. Um, let's see. Uh, Cesar Ruiz, very agile, climbing to the second level, um, gets his hands on on the, the defensive tackle early and able to get his hips around, able to seal off the, uh, seal off the defensive lineman. Um, you know, I, I thought he's, he's one of those guys to me that, uh, he'll get too far over his, over his feet at times and really kind of get overextended. And that's really where he gets him into trouble, but he's a very good athlete, a guy who can get to the second level. And, uh, you know, that's why I think he may end up getting drafted before Tyler Biotis does. And, uh, for a while, I never thought that that was actually going to happen. Uh, Utah taking on Texas in the Alamo bowl, 38 to 10. Texas winning over Utah. Sam Ellinger, uh, 12 of 18, 204 yards, three touchdowns and an interception. Uh, showed some good wheels with his legs, 75 uh, yards on the ground and a touchdown as well. He's coming back with Devin Duvernay as receiver, three receptions, 92 yards and a touchdown. He was his go-to guy, um, one of the top 
receivers in terms of receptions per game. Has really good speed in and out of his breaks. Joseph Osai is going to be in the draft next year, I have a feeling. Uh, only a sophomore this year. Nine tackles, three sacks, six tackles for loss. Utah just didn't have an answer for him. I thought Zach Moss was contained, just 57 yards on the ground. Tyler Huntley struggled to get anything going. Bradley and I... Um, is one of those guys, you know, he doesn't look all that athletic. He has shorter arms as well. But man, Bradley and I just is a guy who just is always going to play hard. He has very powerful hands. And uh, that's one of the things that you see. He wins with his hands. Even when he doesn't have the length necessarily to turn the corner, he wins with his hands. And that's one of the things that I think um, you don't always see out of guys that are coming out of the uh, out of the college ranks, the collegiate ranks. And, and Utah... In this game, they were without Jalen Johnson, the corner. Uh, they were without Julian Blackman. Uh, you know, so there were guys that they were missing there on, on the back end of their defense, and that really showed uh, against Texas. They struggled mightily and wound up winning, uh, losing that game. Um, let's see. Let's get through a few of these other games as well as we go through this. I'm going to move back here. Uh, the Lending Tree Bowl. Uh, Louisiana taking out Miami of Ohio, 27 to 17. In, in this game, you know you're really expecting when you're looking at Louisiana, you're talking about the three-headed monster, the running backs Raymond Calais um, and Trey Regis and uh, Elijah Mitchell. And uh, Raymond Calais not didn't get a whole lot on the ground, didn't get much of a chance to really touch the football, just five carries. He'll still be able to showcase what he can do at the combine. He's he's a smaller back of the th- of the three there at uh, Louisiana. Regis and Mitchell coming back for one more year. Jamarcus Bradley though um, showed that he can be a playmaker. Seven receptions, eighty-eight yards, two touchdowns. Um, you know, one of the bigger receivers. He'll be at the combine as well. I think he's a guy who can make some plays down the football field. He's going to have to somehow separate himself from this this loaded draft class. He may end up being a guy who's going to be undrafted. But I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up making it onto a roster, possibly on a practice squad. Um, and then you know, Miami of Ohio has Doug Costin, the defensive tackle, very physical at the point of attack. But I thought you know Kevin Dodson, you know, when you're talking about guards and and uh, you know who's going to make an impact, you know I thought Kevin Dodson when he lined up against Doug uh, Costin, uh, he really neutralized any. Uh, playmaking ability there, and uh, I thought that was one of the big key differences um, in, in allowing them to go ahead and get that win. Um, Tennessee taking on Indiana in the Gator Bowl. Tennessee with the one-point victory, 23-22. Guy I really wanted to watch was was Daryl Taylor. He absolutely deser- uh, delivered six tackles, one-and-a-half sacks, two total tackles for loss, read a screen to the tight end, did a really good job getting back outside for tackle for loss. Bends very well coming off the edge. Uses his hands, slaps the left tackle's hands away uh, as he's turning the corner. You know, and I, again, I just have it again. Hands to beat the left tackle off the edge. Uh, you know, the, the, the shows excellent strength, uh, core strength, the flexibility, dipping underneath the, the pad level, very explosive burst, flattening out, chasing down the quarterback. The next play, an inside move versus the left guard. Uh, hands to get off the block. Uh, and ultimately a rip move and uh, chase down the quarterback. Very relentless pursuing the quarterback as well. 6'4", 255 pounds. He's one of the edge rushers that people aren't really talking about, but they should be. Um, you know, I thought Trey, uh, Trey Smith, the guard, 6'6", 325 pounds, battled the blood clots. Uh, he's someone who 
is coming back for his senior season, and I applaud him for that. Um, he has a chance to be the number one guard. I think what he's really shooting for is to be a first-round pick. I thought you know there was some inconsistency to his tape, and uh, if he can tr- uh, clean things up a little bit, I think Trey Smith has a chance to be a first-rounder next year. Uh, you know, Juwan Jennings, 6'3", 208, physical downfield target, adjusts well to, to the back shoulder throws, um, agile in, in the open field to make the first man miss, uh, very powerful as a blocker as well. He's one of those guys flying under the radar. He'll probably, his stock will drop. He'll probably, he'll still be a day two pick in my opinion, but he's one of those guys to me that I think is climbing up draft boards. And uh, I think teams are really going to you know fall in love with him the more that they watch his game film. Uh, Tulane taking out Southern Miss 30-13. to The guy I really wanted to watch, though, was Quez Watkins. Ultimately entered the draft, uh, nine receptions, 154 yards, and a touchdown. That's a 17.1 yard per catch average. Uh, this is a guy over 1,100 yards this past season, six touchdowns. Uh, you know, just a playmaker on the outside. Uh, again, another guy who's going to have to separate himself, but somebody who I think is a draftable prospect. Uh, let's see, Ohio. Taking on Nevada, Ohio getting the win, 30-21. to The Bobcats beating the uh, the Wolfpack uh, in the Idaho Potato Bowl. Guy I was really watching was uh, Javon Hagan, 6'215 pounds, safety, three tackles and a sack in the game. Um, feels very well downhill, dropping the running back in the open field for no gain. Uh, decent range over the top as well. Uh, did a pretty good job blitzing, beat uh, the running back's block, got in for a sack. Elijah Cooks is going to be one of those underrated receivers in next year's draft. The junior, 6'4", 215 pounds uh, for the Wolfpack. Man, this kid, uh, 14 receptions, 197 yards, and and a touchdown. Um, really, you know, one of those receivers that uh, you know I, I think is pretty dynamic. Uh, and then there's Nathan Rourke. You know, we talk about you know some of these playmakers. You look at uh, Taysom Hill. I think Nathan Rourke has a little bit of Taysom Hill to him. 6'1", 210 pounds. Um, over 7,000 yards passing, um, and then another 2,500 rushing yards as well. And, uh, you know, very dynamic as a runner on the outside. Um, you know, I thought, the you know, pa- he's not much of a, of a passer per se, but uh, 10 carries, 87 yards, showed an ability to, to run the football. I think he has some of that versatility. I don't know that he'll be playing quarterback at the next level, but, um, you know, I, I see him as, as, a, as a Taysom Hill type. Cincinnati taking out Boston College in the Birmingham Bowl, 38-6. Uh, Michael Warren, 21 carries, 105 yards uh, in the contest. And uh, Michael Warren, they, they nickname him Truck. He runs the ball hard between the tackles, offers some pretty good hands, didn't really get to showcase him in this game. Look, you know, Desmond Ritter, only 95 yards uh, through the air. Uh, he also had 105 yards on the ground, three touchdowns in the game. Desmond Ritter is going to be a quarterback to keep an eye on next year to see how he does, see how he develops. Uh, Josiah DeGuara um, showing off you know, his ability to block, three three catches for 12 yards as well. Um, not uh, you know, wasn't all that dynamic a receiver there at Cincinnati, but just a reliable target. You really want to see how he runs at the combine, though. Uh, you know, George Kittle, when he came out of Iowa, wasn't really asked to be a, a major pass catcher in the Hawkeye offense, but then he came out and blew up the combine. Um, when you go back and you take a look at the numbers, you know, ran in the four sixes and and just you know jumping out of the building. You know, you, you want to see how guys like Josiah Deguara, you know, guys who you know what wasn't always asked to be a, a huge factor in the passing game, 
what type of athlete is he? And that's really the, the big question that I'm going to have uh, when we get into the combine for him. So as we continue to move along here, we get through, uh, let's see, Wyoming taking out Georgia State 38-17 to in the Arizona Bowl. Uh, the one guy that I was really watching here was was Logan Wilson. Seven tackles and a tackle for loss in the game. Logan Wilson can do a little bit of everything. Over 400 tackles uh, in his career. 6'2", 250 pounds, or yeah, 200, I'm sorry, 230 pounds. Um, decent fluidity and coverage. You know, I thought he showed sideline to sideline range as well. Quick change of direction. Decent job dropping uh, into throwing lanes, getting his hand up um, to affect the throw. Uh, he's someone that I think will be a day three pick. I think he'll get drafted a little bit higher than than expected. Uh, coming out of the Mountain West Conference, you see guys like Nick Vigil, um, guys that people weren't teams weren't really talking about, ends up being a mid, you know, day three guy and ends up starting at the next level. I think Logan Wilson's a guy. You know, I, I don't see him unless he blows it up at the combine. I don't see him making it into uh, the third round. I think he'll probably be a fourth or fifth round pick. I don't think he gets past the fifth round, uh, but a guy who makes plays all over the field. Navy 20 to 17 winners over Kansas State in the Liberty Bowl. Uh, I think this was all about Malcolm Perry. Uh, 28 carries, 213 yards. Yes, he also threw for 57 yards uh, in a touchdown on five of seven passing, but just so elusive in space. His ability, you know, to, to make guys miss, um, so dynamic. And he's one of those guys who I think is going to end up being a receiver at the next level. Um, you know, Keenan Reynolds uh, was a receiver. He's now with the XFL. And I look at Malcolm Perry, he's more explosive. He's much more explosive. And uh, he's one of those guys to where, you know, I think if teams can be patient with him, allow him to develop a little bit, you may have something there. Uh, Malcolm Perry, uh, definitely one of those special, special players there coming out of uh, the Naval Academy. Uh, Arizona State taking on Florida State in the Sun Bowl, uh, 20-14 to 14 final. Um, you know, Florida State, you know, four interceptions out of J- uh, James Blackman. Um, you know, uh, and Terry. Decided he's going to come back for one more year. Had a big game. Nine receptions, 165 yards, and a touchdown. Arizona State without uh, Eno Benjamin and without Brandon Ayuk. Um, I thought defensively, you know, they've got a couple of kids who could potentially come out in next year's draft. Uh, Darian Butler, the middle linebacker, 11 tackles, uh, one and a half tackles for loss. And Merlin uh, Robertson, uh, the middle linebacker. Uh, eight tackles, one and a half sacks, two tackles for loss. You know, those are two guys who are dynamic um, at that uh, that linebacker position. Uh, you know, Herm Edwards definitely. Those are the the leaders of his defense. Uh, Belk Bowl, thirty seven to thirty winners, Kentucky over Virginia Tech. Uh, Deshaun McLeese, um, you know, decided to enter the draft. He's one of those uh, those running backs who's going to have to uh, utilize the combine uh, to really start. You know, really emerge make a statement you know the workouts make a statement make teams go back and look at more game film for you um you know i think he'll he'll probably get drafted at some point but you know i I don't see it being you know earlier than probably the sixth round uh kentucky though you know this was all about the lynn bowden show and uh you know he's playing quarterback you know this is really a receiver and you know he was just six of 12 for 73 yards touchdown and interception uh you know he was i think what 43% completion percentage, you know, just off the top of my head for, for the season. 
but you know what he did on the ground: 34 carries, 233 yards, two touchdowns, dynamic in space, uh, just a tremendous athlete. You just want to get the ball in his hands. Reminds you a little bit of of maybe an Antoine Randall L type, you know, the quarterback at at um, Indiana, and ultimately you know comes out and is uh, you know the number three receiver there for the Steelers. You know, Julian Edelman played quarterback. There, there guys guys can make that transition. Um, you know, from quarterback to receiver and vice versa. I think Lynn Bowden just has that versatility to be able to play a, a multitude of positions. And, and those are just players that you want to have on your roster. Uh, Virginia taking on Florida. Florida wound up getting the win, 36-28 in the Orange Bowl. Uh, Jonathan Greenard, um, you know, an edge rusher, a guy who can make some, pre- uh, you know, can, can pressure the quarterback coming off the edge. Um, you know, I, I thought... It was one of those things that he, he tried to come off, first outside and then move back inside. I thought that secondary movement was a little too slow. Um, you know, I, I thought it's one of those things to where when he when he's good coming off the edge, he's really good. He can bend pretty well. But if you stifle that first, you know, that first move, you know, he he lacks some of that secondary move to get back to the quarterback. So that's something that I think he's going to need to work on and develop further. Um, Michael Pirine. You know, 5'11", 218-pound senior running back. This is a guy, you know, he had a tremendous game. Look, you know, 13 carries, 138 yards, two touchdowns, five receptions, 43 yards and a touchdown. You know, excellent hands out of the backfield. Um, You know, very patient. You know, the right guard was pulling to the left, uh, put his foot in the ground, gets to the hole, um, you know, to the left of, of the of the guard of, of the right guard, hits that hole, gets downhill, took it the distance, sixty one yards for a touchdown. Uh, this is a kid who, you know, people aren't really talking about when you're talking about running backs, but I thought that he showed really good hands, showed out pretty well in, in the in the All Star game as well. Um, I think Michael Pirine is someone that is going to fly under radars. He'll be a day three guy, but he'll be one of those day three running backs, in my opinion, that people are going to be talking about because he can do a little bit of everything. He can run with power. He can run with speed. He's elusive in the open field. He can pass block a little bit, has decent hands coming out of the backfield. Keep an eye on the Michael Pirine, number two for Florida. Um, you know, I think Cassis Dubois, 6'3", 215-pound receiver, um, you know, high points the ball really well. High pointed a ball over uh, Marco Wilson in the back of the end zone for a nine yard touchdown. This is a guy I think he has tremendous body control. Uh, shows a good job tracking the ball over his shoulder. Um, in this game, you know, ten receptions, eighty three yards, two touchdowns. He was really the go to guy. Excellent hands, very reliable target. Um, he's somebody that people aren't going to be talking about. But again, someone who I think can end up making the roster. Is he going to get drafted? Maybe late. Um, but somebody who I think is is uh, you know can be a player. I think he's really shown himself. You know, the second half of the season to be that guy. Um, Bryce Perkins, the quarterback. You know, he he's a, a tremendous athlete. Um, you know, he's going to have to really show in his workouts because he wasn't invited to the combine that he can be a quarterback. Um, you know, at, at at the next level, you know, he may be asked to be a, a receiver. Um, you know, but I, I thought that he shows some touch down the field. I thought he was just inconsistent with some of his passing. Um, and then there's Van Jefferson. Look, six receptions, 129 yards. The route running here is just it, it's it's at another level. His dad, Sean Jefferson, really you can tell. 
that uh, he's he's worked with his father quite a bit. His the his ability using you know different releases, um, his ability to really set up the receipt, set up the corner so that the corner the corner is always guessing. You know what's he gonna do? I just showed you this. I'm gonna show you uh, you know a a slant. You know, or maybe I, I showed you a fade and then it's going to be a slant or, or vice versa. And it's one of those things to where he's able to create that separation, very sudden in and out of his breaks. He's not the best athlete. He's 6'2", just 197 pounds. But when when you have that type of nuanced route running ability, that, that's something that I think really, you know, really sets him apart. Cal taking on Illinois. In the Red Box Bowl, Cal getting the win, 35-20 to 20 in that contest. Now, there, this was an interesting game to watch because you're really looking at the middle of the field, the inside linebackers, Evan Weaver and, and DeLay Harding. And for Weaver, you know, over 400 tackles in his career. He's very limited athletically, but, you know, the intelligence is obviously there. Uh, he's someone who, on first and second downs, playing against the run, takes tremendous angles, scrapes over the top, making plays on the outside, shoots the holes. You know, you, you know where the football is going to be because, or where it's going because that's exactly where uh, Evan Weaver is going. I think he struggles at time, uh, you know, in man-to-man coverage. He'll drop and, and does a decent job reading the quarterback's eyes when he drops into zone coverage. It's just that that lack of athleticism is going to scare teams. Um, but you want to ha- he's one of those guys you have to have on your football team because of those instincts um, with which he plays. Uh, you know, Delay Harding, another guy, you know, who is, is very, you know, he was, these guys were number one and number two in tackles, by the way. Uh, I think Harding showed re- uh, better range overall, um, sideline to sideline, can play in coverage a little bit as well, uh, works very well through traffic to get to the ball carrier, diagnoses quickly, shooting through uh, the, the A-gap down the hill, um, squares up the running back, drops him for loss, very sure tackler. Uh, I think he's one of those guys who they're both going to be day three picks. Um, I think Delay Harding with that athleticism um, may have the better upside, but Evan Weaver, the instincts, you, you just can't count out a guy um, who has instincts like that. Uh, Olawoli Batiku uh, there for Illinois decided he was going to go ahead and, and forego his final year of eligibility and enter the draft. 6'3", 250 pounds. Uses his hands well to get off blocks. Very quick get off. Um, but one of those guys to where you're really waiting for him to explode. You know, he had such great production uh, at the beginning of the season. Once he got into Big Ten play, struggled to get to the quarterback. Did get a sack against Cal. But uh, he's one of those guys, um, you know, it was, it was frustrating to watch because of his inconsistency. You know the injury issues there at USC as well. I think that's one. You know some of the things that he's going to answer for. Um, going to need to figure some of those things out. Um, Mississippi State and Louisville. Uh, Louisville getting the win, 38-28 in the Music City Bowl. No Mackay Becton for Louisville, uh, which was a bummer. But um, let's see. Willie Gay was finally back there for for Mississippi State. You know he was out. Um, you know, suspended for uh, early in the year, eight games total. Then uh, after that, you know, I think there was an issue with the tutor, and then uh, there was an altercation before the bowl game with the quarterback Garrett Sh- uh, Schrader. Ultimately, Garrett Schrader missed the game. I believe it was a broken orbital orbital bone. Uh, with Willie Gay, 6'2", 240 pounds, shows uh, really good range sideline to sideline. I think he takes good path to the football, good angles. Um, I thought he looked stiff in coverage. 
does a pretty good job shooting the holes and, and getting downhill as well. Um, but, you know, I think he's stiff in the hips, which is going to really hurt him uh, in coverage. Kylan Hill, the running back there for Mississippi State, you know, 5'11", 215 pounds. Uh, the junior decided he's coming back. Um, you know, seven carries, just three yards in this game. I think that had a big impact there um, on Mississippi State, you know, why they, they weren't really able to get things going. And one name just to keep an eye out for for next year's draft, Tutu Atwell. Nine receptions, 147 yards. He's just 5'9", a buck 53, but uh, led the ACC in receiving yards. And uh, just a dynamic player, um, especially in space. You know, a guy that you got to keep an eye on going forward. Uh, Western Kentucky, uh, just edging out Western Michigan in the first responder bowl, twenty-three to twenty. And uh, you know, with this game, one of the guys that I wanted to watch was um, D'Angelo Malone. Had nine tackles in the game there for Western Kentucky. I hadn't gotten to see him play yet. Um, 6'4", 230 pounds. He's a junior. He's coming back. But uh, the Conference USA Defensive Player of the Year had 90 tackles. You know, this is you know a guy who's bending, coming around off the edge, really good closing speed. You know, he's an edge rusher. He's going to be in a 3-4 outside linebacker, but you know, was playing defensive end there for the Hilltoppers and very active player, very quick change of direction. Um, he's one of those guys to keep an eye out for in next year's draft. Uh, you know, Levante Bellamy, the 5'9", 190-pound running back there for the Broncos of Western Michigan. And, uh, you know, the, the touchdowns, you know, what was it? can't read my writing here. 28 total touchdowns, leads the FBS, 5.6 yards per carry. Um, showed a good stiff arm turning the corner in the game. Quick burst around the edge. Guy who, you know, plays with a, a low pad level, low center of gravity. Uh, pretty good contact balance as well. Just 60 yards in this game. Really couldn't get things going. Um, the guy that really stood out was Western Kentucky's receiver, Lucky Jackson. 17 receptions for 148 yards and a touchdown. It seemed like whenever uh, Western Kentucky needed to get something done, whenever Ty Story ne- needed to find a receiver, this was the guy that he was finding. And it's one of those things he was creating separation, really did a good job setting up his routes. Um, you know, the... the the stem at the top of his routes, really able to create some separation, able to snap that off, you know, run an out route and, uh, and get open, showed really good hands. Um, you know, he kept running that out route and he kept getting open and, you know, just the different ways that he was running it, you know, his ability at the top, you know, and showing that, that inside move and then able to snap it back to the outside. Um, you know, Lucky Jackson had a tremendous game. Is he somebody who is going to be, you know, that's going to be drafted. Um, you know, that's one of those things. I don't know that he's going to be drafted. He'll probably be a free agent. He'll have to work his way onto a roster, but, uh, don't rule him out. Don't rule out lucky Jackson. You know, you look at the name, you see lucky. Well, you know, he's somebody who, you know, I don't think it's, you know, just luck. You know, I think he's one of those guys who has a chance to make a roster when it's all said and done. Uh, Giovanni Ricci, the 6'3", 240-pound receiver, uh, really a tight end there for Western Michigan. Uh, four receptions for 20 yards in the game. He's a weapon in the passing game. Um, showed a decent ability, you know, blocking as well as a lead blocker um, for for running backs, both Bellamy and uh, and the other back they had in the offense there, Devon Tucker. And uh, I think that's really what's going to end up happening. He'll probably play the H back, probably be a second or third tight end, and um, you know can catch the ball you know when needed. 
but uh, he's really going to have to show that he can make his money as a, as a blocker because I think that's really what he's going to be utilized at the next level. So getting through those games, that gets us to the Ohio State Clemson game that was the Fiesta Bowl that was the second game of the of the two games uh 29-23 game there for Clemson we've already talked about some of the Clemson Tigers let's talk about Ohio State a little bit uh Chase Young 16 and a half sacks led the FBS uh, you know two tackles and a quarterback hurry in this game and uh you know it was one of those things to where you still saw the the athleticism you saw the ankle flexion bending around the edge um, he's one of those guys who, even when he's not making, you know, making the play, he's still affecting the the offense because you always have to know where he is on the field. You always have to make sure that uh, you know if the play is going his way, that you've got multiple guys on him, and, and most of the time you're trying to avoid him at all costs. Uh, I thought Jonah Jackson, the guard there for Ohio State, six four three zero five. Um, did a really good job keeping his hands inside to control the defensive tackle at the point of attack and pass protection. Um, you know, it was a Rutgers transfer. I think he's one of the better guards in this year's draft. Showed pretty good athleticism as well. Uh, let's see. Um, Tanner Muse. Uh, I know I was saying we, you know, he's a Clemson player that I hadn't talked about yet. 6'2", 230. Did chase down Dobbins on a 64-yard run. Um, showed really good effort. I think that's really the biggest thing. Took a good angle, showed good effort. You know, he's got decent straight line speed, but man, this guy, he's so stiff in coverage. That's what I'm worried about when you watch Tanner Muse play. Um, let's get to J.K. Dobbins. You know, this is my number one running back, I think. The vision that you see, his ability to see the cutback lanes, he puts his foot in the ground early, gets up the field, um, did a really good job. Um, There's a blitz. Um, able to to make the catch off the blitz and and get up the field, you know, really understood that the, you know there was a blitz coming that he was going to be the the hot receiver and, and able to make a play on the ball and get up the field. Excellent hands. Um, I thought you know the the suddenness with with the way that he runs, um, you know, definitely something that you you see. Had a diving catch in the flat on a five yard touchdown. Um, yeah, but he's one of those guys, all he needs is a crease. He's going to have that vision. He's going to find a crease. He's going to get north and south, and he's going to make some plays. And I think that's one of the things for me with J.K. Dobbins. Um, you know, 18 carries, 174 yards, three touchdowns on the day in a losing effort. But he's one of those guys, when it's all said and done, he's, he's, just, he's a special player. You know, he's one of those guys, to me, I think could end up potentially being a, a late first-round pick when it's all said and done. Malik Harrison, one of the top inside linebackers in this year's draft, 6'3", 245. Uh, did a really good job stringing out uh, Trevor Lawrence, spun him down, really good contain, showed decent speed to the perimeter as well, can play downhill, uh, hits the holes very well. Um, you know, I think he's a better athlete than I was even expecting as well. Um, I, I think he's somebody who's going to continue to rise up draft boards. Uh, and then Jeffrey Okuda, the 6'1", 200-pound corner, uh, you know, I've got him going number three to the Lions. Uh, very tight coverage on Justin Ross on comeback. Um, uses his long arms to his advantage. And I think that's one of the things that you really see out of him as well. Um, let's see. It does a really good job staying on top of routes. Um, 
you know, understands, you know, what to do with his, his body, you know, putting his body in a position to make plays, uh, excellent ball skills. As I said, drives well on the football. He can play in both man, you know, uh, man in zone, uh, press man off coverage. I think he's one of those guys who can be a shutdown cover corner on the outside. And then, you know, we're going to be talking about the LSU Oklahoma game, 63, 28, uh, the Peach Bowl, Joe Burrow accounting for uh, just staggering numbers, accounting for, for eight touchdowns, seven uh, touchdown passes, 493 yards, um, had, a, had a touchdown run as well. Um, Burrow was just tremendous in this game. Uh, CeeDee Lamb, you know, playing out of the slot, uh, ran a go route, ball thrown to the outside, able to adjust well to the football, away from uh, Jaco- Jacoby Stevens, um, making a play on the football, able to catch the ball over the shoulder, uh, you know, come back to the football halls in the pass, um, squares up, you know, the linebacker, and uh, you know, ultimately chase down the field thirty yards. Um, you know, he's one of those guys. He's physical on the outside, physical blocker. I think he's ultimately he and Jerry Judy are one A and one B when it comes to the receivers. It just depends on who who you who you like more. Um, you know, as a, as a team and, uh, when you're, when you're drafting, I've got him going to the Raiders and then I've got Jerry Judy. It could be the other way around, you know, Jerry Judy going to, to Indy at, at number 13 could be flopped, you know, flip flop there. You know, uh, Mike Mayock may look at Jerry Judy, the route running ability and the explosiveness and may say, that's going to be my guy. You know, it's really, you know, pick your poison there. when you're talking about the receiver position, I thought Neville Gallimore, um, very quick first step, you know, arm over to to shoot the gaps. Does a really good job uh, plugging holes against the run, uh, looping around on a stunt, able to get to the quarterback, you know, flush the quarterback from the pocket. His athleticism, he's going to be an early day two pick, but a guy who I think has a chance to start uh, early in his career. And then Kenneth Murray, the linebacker there for OU, 6'2", 243 pounds, beat the left tackle block on a stretch play, drilled the running back for a loss coming downhill, um, you know, burst just down downhill on a blitz, getting to the quarterback, um, you know, stopping him for you know one yard shy of the first down. Uh, just an explosive player. Biggest issue that I have with him is, is just gap integrity versus the run. That's the biggest concern that I have for Kenneth Murray. Uh, if you look at the Notre Dame game against the Iowa State Camping World Bowl, thirty-three to nine win. Uh, Chase Claypool. Uh, man among boys, seven receptions, 146 yards, and a touchdown. Couldn't really cover the guy, you know. And really, when I look at him, I wonder what he's going to run at the combine. And I think of Darren Waller. I think of the similar body type. You see with the success Darren Waller has had at tight end. And I wonder if Chase Claypool, who's 6'4", 229, 230 pounds, if he wouldn't potentially end up being uh, a tight end at the next level. Um, I thought Aloe Gilman. Uh, 5'11", 209, limited athletically, especially in coverage, but very disciplined. Uh, doesn't go for the the fakes or anything like that. Um, you know, stays at home and uh, you know, a guy who's going to play downhill very well. Um, but again, doesn't always do a really good job um, in coverage just because he's so stiff and and limited athletically. I thought Troy Pride Jr., 5'11", 194 pound corner, very patient as uh, you know on the outside. Um, good recovery speed, stays on the receiver's hip, no separation uh, as well uh, whenever possible. 
and uh, you know he was stride for stride with with uh, Lamichael Petway, and uh, just shows really good ball skills there on the outside as well. Uh, he's one of those guys to where you know the the athleticism. You know, I don't know the technique. You know, I think he relies on his athleticism more than than the technique, and that's really where you know the technique kind of has to play a little bit of catch up. Uh, Cole Komet really had a breakout season this year. Forty three receptions, uh, pretty good uh, route runner. You know, I, I thought um, watching this game uh, does a decent job with his blocking on the outside. Um, Lee Block ultimately sprung uh, the quarterback uh, Ian Book on a run to the perimeter. You know, that's one of the things that you saw out of Cole Komet. I think there are some limitations athletically. He has battled injuries as well. Durability is going to be an absolute concern for him. But uh, you know, he's one of those tight ends. I think he'll be a top five tight end uh, when it's all said and done, though. Penn State taking out Memphis 53-39 in the Cotton Bowl. You know, when you watch this, K.J. Hamler, he was the guy that I was watching. Just a couple of catches for 46 yards on the day. Journey Brown was the guy that really, really had a day. Uh, 16 catch, uh, carries for 202 yards and two touchdowns in the game. But getting back to K.J. Hamler, uh, explosive acceleration, very quick uh, in and out of his breaks as well. Um, you know, just dynamic receiver. Um, you know, I think you know when it comes to making catches in coverage, you know, in tight coverage, that's really where he struggles a little bit. And I think that's where he's going to fall to the second round um, because he's he's a speed rusher. But you know, when you're talking about playing um, in in tight spaces, you know, that's where you know you're going to have to step up as a receiver. I don't care that you're five nine, 176. You got to play bigger than than you actually are. And uh, I think that's one of the things that K.J. Hamler struggles with at times. You know, I thought Bryce Huff is an intriguing guy coming off the edge. Shows a pretty good burst, speed rusher coming off the edge. 6'3", 255-pound senior. Uh, Gross Matos for Penn State, 6'5", 264. Uh, you know, I, I thought that you know, he does a pretty good, gets a good push up the field, using his hands really well, keeping the hands under the pad level, then ripping through and uh, turning the corner. I just think that there's some inconsistency inconsistency there to Yitro Grossmatos. Uh, his game doesn't always get home as a uh, as a sack artist. Does a better job versus versus the run, in my opinion, in the backfield. And uh, I think because of some of that inconsistency, you're going to see Grossmatos probably fall into round number two. Um, Penn State, though, keep an eye out not for them next year. You'll have Micah Parsons, uh, potential top 10 linebacker, 6'3", 245, excellent range. And then Pat Fryermuth, a tight end, 6'5", 256 pounds, dynamic receiver at the tight end position. He has a chance to be a first-rounder um, if he has a big season next year. Uh, Washington State taking on Air Force 31-21, the victors there go to you know the Air Force Falcons in the Cheez-It Bowl there in Chase Field in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, you know I thought Anthony Gordon, 6'3", 210-pound quarterback. You know this is a guy who you know didn't play football until his freshman year in high school. Sat behind uh, you know Gardner Minshew and uh, and Luke Falk before he finally got his turn. Uh, 28 of 42 for 351 yards and three touchdowns on the day. You know, he's one of those guys has a very quick release, uh, sees the field very well, goes through his his progressions, uh, takes what the defense gives him. Um, I, I think he'll be a day three quarterback, but I think he's going to be, you know, after that first crop of quarterbacks, the first six guys, he's right in there to be one of the next guys taken there on day three. 
Uh, Jihad Woods, the linebacker, uh, junior, uh, had 20 tackles on the day. I mean, that's really what happens when you're playing against the Air Force. You have to really show some of that range. Um, and, and that's really, I think, what he did. Max Borgie is going to be a name to talk about in next year's draft, the running back. Um, it reminds me a little bit of, of Ch- uh, Christian McCaffrey because of his hands. Um, you know, more receptions than any other running back. Uh, excellent balance after contact as well. Uh, 5'10, 197 pounds. He'll be, like I said, a name to watch. Uh, USC taking on Iowa in the Holiday Bowl. Iowa beating the Trojans 42 to 24. Um, AJ Epinesa, Austin Jackson. This was a fun one to watch. You know, I thought that Austin Jackson, you know, for the most part, did a pretty good job holding his own against AJ Epinesa. You know, I think he'll probably still be a second round pick though, because when he when he looked bad, he looked really bad, and and it's one of those things to where Epinesa, he's gonna attack. He's gonna attack your hands. He's going to really used his power to his advantage, and he overpowered Austin Jackson at times. And it's one of those things to where, you know, Epinesa, he knows he's not the most dynamic athlete coming off the edge, but the technique, his ability, you know, to get his hands into you, he's going to long arm you whenever possible, and uh, just somebody who, you know, really sets more of a soft edge coming off, you know, coming off the off the corner, able to drive Jackson back, uh, very physical, like I said, with his hands, uh, clubs his hands away to get to the edge um, and really put a lot of pressure on Keaton Slovis in that game. Uh, Michael Pittman Jr., look, Michael Pittman, you know, he's 6'4", 220 pounds, dynamic, um, you know, a guy who's going to win the 50-50 balls. You know, he's a weapon over the middle, uses his big body in traffic to shield the ball from the defenders. Um, this is a guy, look, you know, over 1,200 yards, led the Pac-12 in receiving, very physical blocker on the outside. He's a tough guy to bring down, um, does a really good job. You worry about some of the separation. Can he, you know, how fast is he going to run? But he has those subtleties. He doesn't really extend the arm, but he's able to create some of that latest late separation, getting his arm out on, you know, finding that corner, getting that late separation, able to come up with the football. Teams design their defenses around stopping Michael Pittman Jr. and forcing the likes of Tyler Vaughns and, and Amonra St. Brown and, and company to really make plays. And, uh, you know, I, I thought that's one of the things that Iowa did uh, pretty well um, because they limited Michael Pittman to uh, just six receptions for 53 yards. Michael Pittman likes to fight for extra yards. He actually lost a fumble in that game. Uh, Nate Stanley, the quarterback for Iowa, 6'4", 243 pounds, 66 uh, passing touchdowns in his career, 58% completion percentage. This is a guy who I thought you know looked really good you know, on his in, uh, intermediate throws, short and intermediate throws, um, putting the ball where his receivers can make a play, poise in the pocket, easily rolling away from pressure, uh, keeping his eyes down the football field. Uh, 11 of 12 for 130 yards and a touchdown in the first half. Just really got into a rhythm going on this, you know, go route for 35 yards to uh, Amir Smith-Marset, dropping it over his shoulder to the outside. Um, he, he's somebody, to me, the deep ball accuracy is the biggest concern, but he's one. He's someone who I think is going to start rising up some draft boards the more teams get to watch him play. Uh, Tristan Wirfs. The right tackle there for Iowa, uh, I've got him going number, uh, let's see, number 11 to the Jets. 6'5", 322 pounds, uh, versatility to play both uh, both left and right tackle. Uh, right tackle solely in this game. Um, one of those guys who shows tremendous feet, 
um, tremendous power, um, very light on his feet in pass protection, extending his arms, locks him out, good leg drive, blowing his man off the ball in the running game, generating movement, um, slides well to the outside. Um, let's see. So he was sliding to the outside uh, against Christian Rector, who made a spin back to the inside, easily able to change direction and get back in front of him and uh, and and stifle that secondary move. That's what you really want to see. I thought his punch was very consistent as well. Got the hands inside the uh, defensive end, and once that happened, he has the power to basically control his man. Uh, when you think of Iowa, you don't think of explosive receivers on the outside, but I'll tell you, Amir Smith-Marset, 6'183 pounds, the junior, had the speed on a 98-yard 90, uh, kickoff return for a touchdown, was a receiver that just was making plays left and right, uh, had just a couple of receptions for 46 yards and a touchdown, had two carries for 15 yards and another score. Speed kills, and I thought he really showcased that. Um for, for the Hawkeyes in their win. Uh, Texas A&M taking out Oklahoma State uh, 24-21 in the Texas Bowl, played in NRG Stadium, uh, virtual home game there for the Aggies. Uh, Chuba Hubbard uh, deciding he's going to come back to Stillwater for one more year, 19 carries, 158 yards in that game. Um, you know, Matab- Justin Matabuike, the, the defensive tackle, decided that he's going to you know, skip the game, didn't... Uh, didn't play in the bowl game, so you know when you're talking about draft eligible prospects, you know there there really weren't any that uh, to really speak of outside of AJ Green. I thought AJ Green really did a good job. Um, you know, three year starter, um, excellent tackling. There was a swing pass to the running back Isaiah Spiller came downhill to drop him in the lower in the in the open field. He's the guy who also played really well in the Senior Bowl. Um, pretty good cover corner on the outside. Doesn't really panic. Uses his length to his advantage. Um, so I thought he was the guy to me that stood out the most from a a draft perspective for this year's draft, I should say. Um, let's see, Michigan State taking out Wake Forest, twenty-seven twenty-one. Turns out this is Mike D'Antonio. Uh, I'm sorry, Mark D'Antonio's last game. Pinstripe Bowl, Yankee Stadium. Let's see. Uh, you know, Josiah Scott, you know, the field corner, fluid hips, turning and running with the receiver. Uh, I thought he looked uh, looked really sharp in this game. Um, let's see, Justin Heron, uh, the left tackle there for Wake Forest, 6'5", 290 pounds, getting his hands on the defensive end early. That's really where he won. Um, I thought he anchors very well against the bull rush. I think of Justin School for Vanderbilt, and I think Justin Heron's going to be similar to that, a guy who's probably going to be a day three pick. Um, you know, fifth, sixth rounder, but a guy who could probably end up stepping in as a starter, a spot starter, if uh, anyone goes down to injury. Uh, I thought Isang Bassi struggled at times. Um, he's one of those guys, you know, he's 5'10, 190 pounds. You know, he'll probably be a guy who's going to play in the slot. Um, pretty good tackler, um, but you, you know, he, he does a pretty good job as well with the, the, the ball skills, um, but he usually goes to, break the ball up and rather than actually pick the football off. But I thought he struggled in this game a little bit. Uh, Kenny Willickis, you know, this is a guy who is is very quick off the ball, 
Um, does a really good job coming off the edge. You know, a defensive lineman of the year in the Big Ten last year. Former walk-on, tireless worker. Um, but he struggles to get off blocks at times. And that's one of the things that's worrisome. Um, he's 6'4", 260 pounds. Is he going to be an outside linebacker? You know, Chase Winovich showed that he could do that uh, with the the Patriots. He's somebody to me. I think at the combine, he's going to have to show that he can be a dynamic uh, playmaker in space. I just don't know if he's going to be able to do that. Um, let's see, North Carolina, uh, 55-13, big winners in the military bowl uh, over or over Temple. And uh, look, the guys that really played well were the underclassmen. Sam Howell, the quarterback, um, just really dominated. As a as the passer in this game, you know, twelve for I'm sorry, uh, twenty five to thirty four, two hundred ninety four yards, three touchdowns in the game. Uh, also did it on the ground, showed really good athleticism. Uh, and then Quincy Roche over there for Tem, uh, Temple, uh, 6'4", two um, hundred thirty five pounds. He's on his way to Miami for a senior season. Um, you know, I thought Dominique Ross, the linebacker, showed pretty good range. Um, you know, say I'm sorry. Um, Chas Surratt, Sage's brother. Sage is the receiver for Wake Forest. Uh, but Chas Surratt, 6'3", 230 pounds, converted cornerback, over 100 tackles, moves really well laterally versus the run, blitzes, gets uh, gets off blocks, able to get to the quarterback. You know, Can he cover? That's really going to be the big question mark. But he's got another year. He and his brother both deciding to return to their respective schools. Um, Charlie Heck, uh, the tackle there for UNC, probably the top um, draft eligible prospect. Um, excellent length. You know, I, I thought that he did a pretty good job overall, silencing Quincy Roche. Um, you know, there were times where he did get overset, and that's really what he has to watch watch for. Um, was beaten um, when when I'm sorry, I keep calling him Roche. It's Quincy Roche. Um, you know, when he had leverage under him, so he's he's six eight. So he's got to really work on getting that pad level down, you know, and that's really when he didn't do that. That's when he struggled. Um, let's see, Pittsburgh taking out Eastern Michigan, 34-30. Um, this was kind of a wild game, especially at the end in the quick lane bowl. Mike Glass throwing some punches, ended up uh, getting booted from that game. Maurice French for Pittsburgh, 5'11", 200 pounds. This is a guy who's probably not going to be drafted. But uh, 7.6 receptions per game in his career, which is school record, broke Larry Fitzgerald's record there. Um, you know, thought he was pretty sudden as a receiver. Good, uh, you know, good athleticism, able to make guys miss in space. 12 receptions, 185 yards, and a touchdown on the day. Very explosive, and uh, somebody who I think, you know, he, he's gonna have to play out of the slot. And uh, there's such uh, so many receivers in this draft class. He's one of those guys who's going to be a for- forgotten name. I really kind of forgot about him myself until I watched the bowl game and I said, wait a minute, you know, we can't forget about this kid. And then Dane, Dane Jackson, uh, Pittsburgh's corner, six foot, 190 pounds, 40 starts to his credit. Um, you know, bail technique, eyes in the backfield, read the throw, um, able to drive on the play, had a near interception. Uh, drives quickly on the football on a back shoulder throw, uh, able to you know use his length to get in, get a hand in, and, and break that play up. Shows pretty good speed, uh, especially makeup speed. Um, there was an out route and tight coverage was on the receiver's hip, able to um, extend and and knock the ball away as well. I, I think 
Dane Jackson, underrated as a corner there on the outside. Uh, let's see, Miami. Miami against Louisiana Tech. Uh, Louisiana Tech beating Miami 14-0 in the Independence Bowl. I thought this was going to be a game where I got, I'd get to watch uh, Amik Robertson for the last time, the 5-9 corner. Um, excellent ball skills, but he decided he would forego this game and just make himself eligible for the draft. Um, I thought Shaq Quarterman was probably the you know the top draft eligible prospect in this draft uh, in this game. Stiff hips in coverage, um, but did a really good job flowing sideline to sideline. Playmaker, the biggest question you know, and I think it's always been his thing is, is whether or not he can drop into coverage. I think he does everything else really well. Scrapes over the top um, on on run plays to the outside. Does a good job shooting gaps. Can blitz the quarterback a little bit. It's just going to come down to whether or not he can drop into coverage, and that's really going to make the biggest impact on his uh, his draft stock. Um, but if you want a name for a couple of years from now as a pass rusher, who's going to be the next Chase Young? How about Gregory Rousseau? 6'6", 260-pound freshman. Um, this guy is just an absolute beast. Uses excellent length. 18 tackles for loss, 14 sacks. Uh, he's, he's going to be a monster coming off the edge for years to come. Um, let's see. Hawaii and BYU, 38-34, Hawaii winners in the Hawaii Bowl. Uh, I know we talked about this bowl game in uh, a past podcast, so we're, we've actually made it through all of our bowl games now. But uh, Cole McDonald is, is the intriguing quarterback. He's entered the draft, 493 yards passing and four touchdowns. Keep an eye on him at the Combine. He's one of those guys to where he'll be battling the likes of, uh, of Anthony um, – Anthony Gordon and Jalen Hurts, those are going to be guys that he'll be battling. And I thought that he looked dynamic in this game. He you know, he has has tremendous arm strength, throwing the football down the field. I thought he really did a good job threading the needle up the seam, hitting his receivers in stride. Uh, the ball placement, I think he really caught fire at the right time at the end of the season. He's really making teams catch notice, and he'll be a guy, he won't be drafted until day three, but I think he's going to make a roster, and he's shown that you know, he had a really difficult start to the season, four interceptions against Arizona, bounced back in a big way and took Hawaii um, you know, to a bowl game. And uh, not only to the bowl game, but they ended up winning the bowl game, and he was the MVP of this game. And, uh, you know, you can't miss him. He's 6'4", 220, but uh, it's not the size that uh, is really going to draw you to him. It's going to be the dreads, the, the blonde dreads that he has that, uh, you know, he, he says that he wears those in honor of uh, former Hawaii quarterback Bryant Moniz. So we've covered the bowl games, uh, the other bowl games in past podcasts. I'm not going to go ahead and, and rehash some of the other bowl games, but uh, East-West Shrine Bowl. East taking down the West, 31-27 in the game. Uh, James Morgan, uh, 9-14 for 116 yards and a touchdown. This is a guy who you know, he has tremendous arm strength. I've talked about FIU in the past. I think he's someone who has a chance to get drafted late. Uh, Benny LeMay, I thought, showed uh, you know pretty good, you know, not only pad level, he showed some pretty good uh, explosiveness, uh, runs hard between the tackles. I uh, mentioned Jamarcus Bradley. He had two catches, 27 yards, and a touchdown in that game as well. John Runyon moved inside to guard. I uh, thought both he and Michael Omwenu. Michael Omwenu, by the way, holy cow, this kid, you know, big, big dude uh, there at the guard position. And 
very physical, um, really a road grader. And uh, he impressed me a lot more than I thought. You know, I, I thought he was didn't expect him to be that dynamic of a player. Um, let's see who else had a had a good game or just really showed up well. You know, Derek Tuska uh, there for uh, for North Dakota State. He's a, a pretty good athlete coming off the edge there as a pass rusher. Wasn't expecting to see that from him. I thought he was somebody who, you know, I'm going to have to continue to go back and study a little bit more because he showed, you know, he can be dynamic coming off the edge. Um, Luke Barku, uh, San Diego State, 6'1", 175. Man, this guy, nine interceptions in 2019, but very, very handsy. Um, you know, he's, he just couldn't stop grabbing receivers, called for pass interference, um, you know, he's, he's going to have to get that cleaned up if he wants to be draft, uh, you know, worthy of being drafted. Uh, Parker Houston, the tight end out of San Diego state, six two two fifty one, uh, H back fullback type, uh, lead blocker showed, you know, blowing up holes. You know, I think fullback is where he can end up playing and, you know, teams that need a traditional fullback might want to think about Parker Houston. You know, I thought Adrian Killens showing explosive speed, the 5'7", 184-pound running back out of uh, Central Florida. He's shown that he can be a draft-eligible guy. That's speed on the outside. That's definitely something that's going to draw your, your attention to him. Um, I thought Daryl Williams showed a pretty good job, you know, handling John Penasini on the inside, um, sealing him off, uh, also climbing to the second level, found Dante Olson, the linebacker of uh, out of Montana, ultimately springing uh, Adrian Killens, allowing him to, to make a play down the football field. Michael Pinkney showed a pretty uh, showed some pretty good range. You know, not only making plays sideline to sideline, um, also coming downhill, able to do that as well. Um, he actually showed up a lot better than I thought he was going to. Uh, I mentioned Tuska. I found his notes. Um, slap and rip to beat Matt Womack. Beat him off the edge. Uh, forced a hold. Stutter versus Womack, who overset, shot inside, crossed his face, flushed the quarterback from the pocket, uh, got inside the, uh, the the tackle again. Matt Womack hit the quarterback as a you know really did a good job um, attacking whenever possible, attacking the hands, using a chop, and uh, was you know pretty explosive coming off the edge. I thought James Robinson, the running back out of Illinois State, 5'9", 214 pounds, FCS All-American, showed pretty good hands as a receiver. Um, Took a screen pass, able to to kind of stutter, cut back across the field, um, showed some some speed. Um, Doesn't really have that top-end speed to really take top off of a defense. He is 214 pounds, but... uh, over 1,900 uh, yards on the ground and 23 touchdowns there for Illinois State. He'll be an interesting guy to keep an eye out for. He did get a combine invite, by the way, um, so it'll be fun to watch him. Um, Calvin Throckmorton, 6'5", 313, guard tackle for Oregon. Looks like he's more comfortable at the guard position. Showed some pretty good athleticism climbing to the second level, but look, when you get to the second level, you got to make a block on someone, whiffed on the block, um, doesn't always sustain the blocks as well, but he's a veteran. He's, he's versatile, um, but I think there are some holes to his game. Um, mentioned Delay Harding, you know, um, Tampa 2, you know, middle linebacker, able to, to drop into coverage. Um, you know, I, I think he's one of those guys that 
Um, shows excellent range, 153 tackles, 14 tackles for loss, three forced fumbles. He's really what you want in a middle linebacker because he doesn't have to come off the field on third down. He can drop into coverage and play pretty well in space. Uh, Trevor Wallace Sims, a 6'4", 339-pound guard or center there from Missouri. Showed pretty good feet to pick up McTelvin Aguim, uh, but couldn't really handle the speed of Michael Dana. Um, I thought Michael Dana, you know, really able to separate himself from some of the other players there for, for Michigan didn't start. And so you're really worried about that, but so powerful with his hands. I thought that was one of the things that really, really jumped out um, was just how powerful the hands were. Um, let's see. Um, Alex Highsmith, you know, showed a pretty good job, you know, with, with shooting, shooting into the backfield. He'd also start inside spin move back to the outside Mentioned Kevin Dotson early, earlier, 6'4", 324-pound guard out of Louisiana. Good power in his hands. You know, finishing blocks as well. That's something that kind of jumped out a little bit. So those are some of the guys that stood out to me in the East-West Shrine game. And then Senior Bowl, um, you know, Justin Herbert ended up getting the MVP performance. Um, also was the practice MVP. Um, I thought Jordan Love had, you know, there are question marks about his decision-making, but I think at the end of the day, he showcases athleticism. I thought that he helped himself at the Senior Bowl. Uh, Michael Pittman Jr. in the one-on-ones, the contested catches, really jumps off uh, off the charts. He's very physical as a receiver as well. And I think that really, um, you really saw that. Zach Bond uh, showing a spin move to, to beat Matt Perk, um, coming off the edge in, in one-on-ones. Uh, Logan Wilson dropping into coverage. Uh, underneath of, of Courtney Davis, able to to make a leaping interception. Uh, that was in uh, the, the team play. Uh, Matt Hennessy uh, got off balance against Lorel Murchison, uh, overset and the and the defensive tackle, able to ultimately get by him. But I thought that he showed really good lateral agility throughout the the, the practices, and that really stood out for me there. Um, Neville Gallimore showing some quickness off the football. That was really giving some teams uh, or some guys some trouble. Um, I thought Josh Uche was tremendous, not only as a as an edge rusher getting around the edge, but also showed in, showing an ability to drop into coverage. Um, James Prochet out of SMU, um, quick cuts. I thought that was one of the things that really really stood out to me. But KJ Hill. I think he really solidified himself, you know, just the route running ability of the Ohio State uh, wide receivers. A year ago, it was Terry McLaurin, K.J. Hill, similar to that. Uh, I thought Ben Bredesen showed pretty good hands, getting the hands under a game, um, you know, kept him inside, really good feet. Um, let's see, nine on seven, turned the defensive tackle to the outside, sealed them off, good hips off the snap, um, opened up a nice hole. Um, really strong hands. Once he locked onto you, then he wasn't, you know, he wasn't letting go. I thought Colton McKivitz out of West Virginia was was just really slow in the one on ones. Was really struggling to to keep anybody in front of him. Um, Bradley and I again that the hand usage, able to use his hands to beat Matt Pert, um, you know, a couple of times. Uh, I, I thought it was one of those things to where he um, just. He's attacking the hands, using the handwork, slapping guys' hands away, and uh, you know a lot of times he'd hand fight. He'd actually be locking up hands with the tackle, able to work through that and uh, and turn the corner. Then Jason Strobridge of of UNC, six five two eighty five, 
Um, showing good burst off the ball. Um, you know, a guy who was getting up the field has 22 tackles for loss and 11 and a half sacks in his career. I think he could be a, a, a 34. Um, I'm sorry, a five technique in a 34 defense. Um, let's see, Denzel Mims making. I mean, making ca- catches all over the field. Very physical with his hands on. Um, let's see, um, coming off the ball. Um, you know, quick release. Um, I have that noted here. High pointing the ball in the back of the end zone. Spectacular catch extending over Terrell Burgess to make a touchdown in practice. Um, I thought that was one of the things that stuck out for me. Uh, Malik Harrison, really good lateral uh, lateral movement, quick recognition against the run, vision in the running game as well, uh, able to drop into coverage, had an interception during the practice as well. Um, so that was kind of the north side. When you look at the south side, it was all about Javon Kinlaw. Could not be blocked. Explosive, the speed to power, uh, excellent power in his hands, uh, virtually unblockable. He's one of those guys to me who, um, if he's not a top 10 pick, he'll be you know off the board by 14 to Tampa. Um, mentioned Justin Herbert. We talked about him when he was in rhythm, very accurate. Uh, with the football, you know, you really want to move him off his mark. That's really where he's going to struggle at times. Um, let's see, who else do we have? Da-da. Lloyd Cushenberry, very good anchor versus Kinlaw. One of the few guys that actually kept Kinlaw in front of him. Excellent length, good base, um, good lateral quickness as well. Um, you know, when he got too far over his toes, that's really when he got beaten. But when he stays, um, you know, stays with those knees bent and, and stays up upright, that's really where, you know, Lloyd Cushenberry's at his best. He could end up being the top corner or I'm sorry, top center in this year's, this year's draft. Uh, Terrell Lewis shows incredible potential, uh, very explosive coming off the edge able to bend the speed, you know, the power in his hands coming off the edge there. Um, let's see. I thought Travis Gibson out of uh, Tulsa didn't have a very good good week. Pad level too high. was just getting blown up. Uh, but Terrence Steele, the, the right tackle, 6'6", 310 pounds out of Texas Tech. He, he showed effortless footwork. You know, he, he did a really good job handling Anthony Jennings, picked up Jonathan Greenard, um, coming off the edge, did a really good job there as well, keeping the quarterback in the pocket. Um, you know, he stood up Gibson on on the one on one as well. Um, got right under his pad level when it got too high. Uh, Van Jefferson, uh, very quick in and out of his breaks, um, attacks the ball over the middle, adjusts to the ball um, in the air. You know, and really does a good job adjusting his route as well not only just adjusting to the football but adjusting the route finding the opening in in the defense uh, Eno Benjamin showed good hands as a receiver uh, lateral quickness um, able to find the holes that way and then Robert Windsor the defensive tackle out of Penn State uh, showed pretty good pop in his hands pretty athletic uh, he's just 285 pounds at the defensive tackle position but you know really a hard worker uh, quickness to beat the center from San, uh, San Diego State Keith Ishmael um, I mean, he, let's see, flash, you know, I, I just have there over and over flashed inside. He was one of those guys, hard worker, 
very explosive. Um, you know, ben Barch, um, this is a guy who, you know, D3 guy, reminds you of Ali Marpet, second team All-American. Um, very good hand placement, you know, good knee bend. Uh, you see the ankle flexion as well. Um, he looked like he belonged there. And, you know, I think when he really was winning was when he got his hands on the defensive end early. When he did that, he, he really stifled anything uh, moving forward. Um, I thought Steven Montez, Shea Patterson struggled mightily. They're going to struggle to get drafted, in my opinion. And then Alex Taylor out of uh, South Carolina State, the big 6'8 tackle, um, shows some promise, very light on his feet, but... Man, his legs are skinny. You know, you wonder you know if he's going to be able to anchor. You know how he doesn't have that wide of a base. He's going to have to be a developmental guy, um, someone who I think has really good athleticism. But you got to get, get him in the weight room, work on that lower body. So those ha- those were the bowl games and the all star games. Got to make it through all of those. I'm going to give you a quick sneak peek because we are going to be talking about my mock drafts in the coming weeks with our podcasts, but I wanted to at least give you a quick sneak peek uh, before we end things with uh, episode 20 here of the Ready for the Draft podcast. Top 10 of my my first mock draft. I mentioned already Cincinnati Bengals, Joe Burrow going number one overall. No-brainer there, 6'4", 216 pounds out of LSU. Number two, another no-brainer, Washington Redskins. You've got Ron Rivera. You've got uh, Jack Del Rio. Emphasis on defense. Chase Young going to be the pick. 6'5", 265 pounds. Defensive end out of Ohio State. Uh, you know the, the junior. You pair him up with uh, Ryan Kerrigan and, uh, and Montez Sweat coming off the edge. That's going to be very explosive. Um, you know in terms of those pass rushers. Those are going to be guys who are really going to affect the quarterback and knowing where those guys are on the field at all times. I think Ryan Kerrigan is going to get some help, some much needed help. Um, you know, Matt Ioannidis is another, you know, another guy, the defensive end, um, who really, you know, showed up very well. He actually led the Redskins in sacks because Kerrigan was battling some injuries. I think Chase Young in there adds a different dynamic because um, you have to know where Chase Young is on the field at all times. Number three, Detroit Lions. Mentioned Jeffrey Akuda. He is going number three, 6'1", 200 pounds, corner out of Ohio State, the junior. Uh, look, you know, when you look at this, um, you know, Darius Slay, he's quietly become one of the best corners in the league, but he's desperate need of, of a running mate. I think what you're going to have here, Justin Coleman is going to be a slot receiver. Amani Arwarie stepped up pretty, you know, pretty big as a fifth-round pick late in the season. Um, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, you could see Derek Brown here. I, I wouldn't rule that out just yet. I think he could take some pressure, you know, with his versatility to both rush the passer and affect the run game um, with his his power, his speed to power. Um, take some pressure off Trey Flowers coming off the edge. So I wouldn't rule out Derek, uh, Derek Brown at this point. But I think Jeffrey Akuda, that's the guy that you really need. And he's clearly the top corner. And I think it kind of drops off after that. I mentioned Jedrick Wills going to the Giants. Um, number four overall pick, Dave Gettleman. Where is he really going to go with this? Could he go receiver? Because you've got you know Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate, Darius Slayton, but not a number one target. CeeDee Lamb, Jerry Judy, it's always possible there. Um, you look at... You know, pass rushers that could use another pass rusher. Chase Young's no no way he's going to be on the board. They're not 
reaching for AJ Epinesa or Kalevin Chase on here. Just don't see that happening. Um, you know, Okuda, if he's still here, he could be be that corner. Um, you know, Bay, uh, DeAndre Baker struggled a little bit. Janoris Jenkins is is no longer on the roster. He got waived. Um, I think they're going to go with a, a a free agent corner, but wouldn't rule out Jeffrey Okuda. Then there's the playmaker, um, you know, Isaiah Simmons. Plays all over the field. That could be a potential there for the Giant defense, but I think protecting your your investment, protecting Daniel Jones is what you're going to need at the end of the day. You've got Nate Solder on the left side. Mike Remmers is gone at right tackle. Bring in Jedrick Wills. Miami has three first-round picks. Their first one at number five, Tua Tagovailoa, the 6'1", 218-pound quarterback out of Alabama, the junior Heisman runner-up as a sophomore. Uh, took the Bama to... Uh, the national championship won the national championship over Georgia as a you know as a freshman as a junior the hip injury you know, broken hip um, sounds like he's gonna recover and return to health and look you know if that injury doesn't happen he may still end up being the first overall pick in this year's draft. You know, he even for as, as dynamic as Joe Burrow was, Tua just the instincts, you know, the ability to know where he, where he's going to go with the football, throwing the receivers open, uh, the ball placement. You know, Tua just he, he's a dynamic player. The problem is, is you know the durability concerns now. The two high high ankle sprains and now the the hip. You're going to have to study the medicals. You have to going to have to make sure that that stays right. The other issue is, is where do those things happen outside the pocket? Tua now. You know, with those injuries, being injury prone, he's going to have to stay within the pocket a little bit more, have to do be a more Aaron Rodgers than Patrick Mahomes. And uh, so is that going to affect his draft status a little bit? You know, that's that's remains to be seen. But I, I think firmly Miami is going to want to, uh, and, uh, you know, that may not actually be a bad thing given, you know, Miami's really prepping for the future, you know, with those three first-rounders. You can get a, an offensive tackle. You can get an edge rusher later on in the draft. And I have that. You know, that's really what I'm expecting Miami to do. Chargers at number six. Could they go tackle? Sure. You know, Russell Okung, his health you know, is questionable. Um, you know, if Wills is there, he could be the pick. Mackay Becton, you know, uh, Tristan Wirfs. Sam Tevy at right, uh, right tackle struggled as well. So tackle definitely makes a lot of sense. But look, Phillip Rivers is gone. You know, I, I think they're moving on from him. You haven't had a quarterback there since, you know, out not named Drew Brees or Phillip Rivers since 2001. Um, so I think even if, if the Chargers find a veteran in free agency or they decide they're going to stick with a Tyrod Taylor, I think Justin Herbert out of Oregon is going to end up being their guy there. Here's the thing. I'm going to throw this out there into the universe right now. Um, Jordan Love. Remember that name for the Chargers. I think of Daniel Jones and the fact that you know a lot of people thought that uh, Dwayne Haskins was the better quarterback, but Dave Gettleman fell in love with Daniel Jones, and that was their guy. And you know Daniel Jones had the question marks, you know some questionable decision making, but the intangibles were there. You look at at Jordan Love; he has the athleticism, all the physical tools, some good intangibles, but uh, questionable decision making. Although you know, he loses his uh, his head coach, Matt Wells, goes to Tex, uh, Texas Tech. 
also loses out on, I believe it was five you know, uh, of his top targets, lost a running back, three receivers, a tight end. Um, you know, a couple of those guys ended up playing in the, in the NFL. Um, so stories seem to be a little bit similar. We'll see what uh, Jordan Love and, and Justin Herbert do at the Combine, see if Justin Herbert, um, I'm sorry, jo- Jordan Love can close the gap there on J- uh, Justin Herbert. I still have at the end of the day that it's going to be Justin Herbert here at number six, but there is a chance that Jordan Love could, you know, if if ultimately the Chargers are enamored with him, that he can end up moving above uh, Justin Herbert like we saw last year with Daniel Jones. Number seven, Carolina. This is going to be one of two picks. You know, I really firmly believe that um, it's going to either be a defensive tackle, and that's going to be Derek Brown. Um, you know, and really they're losing a lot of guys here. You know, the Panthers they finished second in the league in sacks, but 29 of their 53 sacks were registered by four players, three defensive ends: uh, Gerald McCoy, Mario Addison, and, and Bruce Irvin, and then uh, the defensive tackle is Vernon Butler. All of them are free agents. I don't see them reaching for for Chason or Epinesa here. I think they'd have to trade back if that's the direction that they're going. Um, you know, I, I think the value isn't there. Um, I think an interior pass rusher though, like like Derek Brown or Javon Kinlaw, will make a lot of sense. Um, I think at the end of the day though, Luke Keekley and uh, his sudden um, retirement really calls into question. You know, that's a five-time first-team All-Pro, seven-time Pro Bowler, uh, AP Defensive Player of the Year in 2013, averaged 137 tackles a game. Uh, racking up 18 interceptions, 12 and a half tackles for loss, seven forced fumbles. Guy's going to be a Hall of Famer, even if it's an abbreviated career. Um, just a playmaker from day one when he came out of Boston College. You need to have that linebacker, that presence. And, and I thought that you know Isaiah Simmons, um, you know, embodies the production, the versatility, the range that uh, Luke Keekley has. And I think he'd be a day one starter and uh, a guy that Matt Rule can really you know really take that defense with Carolina and build around Isaiah Simmons. You know, at number eight, the Arizona Cardinals look, you know, you got Kyler Murray. He's the, the AP offensive rookie of the year. Um, Arizona finishes the season five, 10 and one. A lot of people are expecting, you know, Arizona to go with a receiver like CD lamb to reunite him with Kyler Murray because Larry Fitzgerald uh, isn't getting any younger, but he didn't announce that he's coming back for 2020 season. They also drafted three receivers a season ago. I couldn't see them going with yet another uh, receiver, especially with the first overall pick, but look, the offensive tackles, uh, you know, this is the third straight year the Cardinals have given up 50 or more sacks. It's just simply unacceptable. You've got your number one overall pick from a season ago, Kyler Murray, back there. You've got to protect him. Tackles DJ Humphreys, Marcus Gilbert, Jordan Mills, all uh, un, uh, unrestricted free agents. Arizona primed to land one of the top offensive tackles in the draft. I think it's going to be Andrew Thomas out of Georgia, 6'5", 320 pounds, uh, still working as a a pass blocker, but I think he's got nimble feet and uh, really a road grader uh, in the running game. I I don't necessarily like the angle that he takes. He really extends his arms and kind of extends out instead of staying upright and, you know, getting over his toes. That's one of the things in overextending himself. That's really what I worry about more than anything else. 
Um, Jags, I think if Derek, Derek Brown is, on, is still on the board, this is an easy one for them. 6'5", 325, the defensive tackle out of Auburn. Mar, uh, Marcel Darius could be a cap casualty, which would then leave uh, you know Taven Bryan and Avery Jones as the only defensive tackles on the roster with any significant playing time from a season ago. Um, if Brown isn't there, then I think Javon Kinlaw is your pick. Um, and that's really where Javon Kinlaw can really sneak into the first round. I think, you know, or I'm, I'm sorry, into the top 10. Carolina, if they go Brown uh, and somehow Simmons is not on the board, like say the Giants took Simmons and then Brown goes to the, to Carolina, I think this is another scenario where Javon Kinlaw goes to the Jags. And then finally at number 10, uh, Cleveland Browns. Look, Baker Mayfield, you can talk about Baker all you want about how he regressed and about how this was a guy who just would not step up in the pocket. He was rolling left, rolling right, and, and just wouldn't manipulate the pocket, wouldn't keep his eyes downfield. And the thing with it was, was his offensive line was just terrible. You know, we had you know Greg Robinson at left tackle. You had Chris Hubbard at right tackle. They struggled. You know, a season ago he was you know under pressure left and right. Desmond Harrison, you know, was a you know a, a tackle that. Uh, was a developmental tackle that was thrust into a starting job. And really, you know, Baker, you know, when, you, when you're under pressure like that, even when the rush isn't there coming up the middle, you've ingrained and trained your, you know, trained your brain to really, you know, I'm where's my escape route? It's going to be towards the sideline. It's going to be laterally and not necessarily up into the pocket. Just step up. Just make a couple of those subtle subtle movements. Um, you don't need to be so drastic and rolling out all the time, especially when you got into the red zone. Uh, you got to put, uh, you got to protect your quarterback. Got to protect your investment yet again. And uh, look, you know, Baker Mayfield played with Orlando Brown Jr. Uh, at at uh, Oklahoma, and Orlando Brown Jr. is a big dude. You know, 6'7", you know, 350, 360 pounds, um, and just a, a mammoth of a, of a man, you know, very powerful, and, and Baker Mayfield, you know, very used to playing with a guy that big. How about Mekhi Becton? 6'7", 368 pounds, a junior out of Louisville. You know, you worry about Baker Mayfield's size, but that's why I brought up the fact that he has played with a big left tackle. And Mekhi Becton, this guy's the dancing bear, man. He, he's huge, but he's very light on his feet. And if you watch any of his game film in the running game, this guy just buries people. It's not even funny. I mean, he just takes the guy and just throws him out of the club. I mean, just so powerful with his hands, just throws guys down, buries them, finishes them, embarrasses them. Um, I, I think you put him there with with uh, Baker Mayfield, and uh, you finally have a left tackle that's going to allow Baker to to make some plays within the confines of the pocket. So there you have it. That's my top ten, my first top ten. Uh, you know, and frankly. What I've found over the last couple of years is my first uh, first mock draft is more accurate than my last mock draft. So who knows? Six, seven of these picks may actually be right. I'll probably end up adjusting them, and then we'll look at April, and I'll probably be off. Um, and we'll look at look back at these these picks here, these ten picks, and. You know what? I might be seventy percent right because that's usually what ends up happening with, uh, with my mock draft. So we'll see how things go. So 
over the next couple of weeks, we'll be getting ready for the Combine. I mentioned 337 players. I've gotten to see the majority of these guys play, and I want to make sure that we're breaking these down. We'll probably divide them up between offense and defense, take a look at all of the players, talk about them, You know, uh, go position by position, really what to expect, um, who we're going to be watching out for, who's going to, uh, again, be the, the, the players that have the most to lose, the guys who really need to step up, guys under the radar who are going to have big games, or I'm sorry, big uh, workouts, who are going to be the, the workout warriors. And uh, then we'll be able to start getting into the mock drafts really, really furiously after that. We'll also be taking a look at uh, position by position, how players rank, where we see them coming off the board in the draft, day one, day two, day three, and then really getting into are they, you know, um, you know what round you know, I, I see them going. We'll start getting into some of those conversations as things go along. And you can expect at least one podcast each and every week. And as we start getting closer and closer in April to that draft in Vegas, Bellagio Fountains. I think this is going to be so cool. I can't wait to see that. Um, you know, you'll probably be seeing more than one podcast a week, and uh, you know, I'll be looking forward to delivering all of my con- all the content to you, all of my thoughts, and uh, hopefully get you ready for the NFL draft. So until then, enjoy your weekend, enjoy your time. Uh, you know, next week as well. And uh, we'll go ahead and start this all up and, and do it all over again. Um, hope you've enjoyed this podcast. I've enjoyed bringing it to you. It's been a couple of weeks and uh, glad to go ahead and jump back into things. So for readyforthedraft.com, this has been the Ready for the Draft podcast. I have been your host, Greg Schutz. I've enjoyed every minute of it. I hope you have too. Until next time, everyone, I am out of here. Take care.